0: This is Unfiltered. Episode 225 for February 8th, 2017. I'm answering the question, please let me finish. The
1: raid, the the action that was taken in Yemen was a huge success. American lives will be saved because of it. Future attacks will be prevented. The life of Chief Ryan Owens was done in service to this country, and we owe him and his family a great debt for the information that we received during that raid. I think any suggestion otherwise is a disservice to his courageous life and the actions that he just took. Full stop.
2: Hello,
3: everybody.
2: Welcome again to another edition of Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show. How about the news you shouldn't be watching? Because believe me, if you've been watching this news this past week, full stop, you're going to need to find something else to do. I'm Chase, there's Chris. It was huge, Chase. You mean huge? A huge success. I mean, huge success. Period. Yeah. Stop. Full stop. Full stop. All right, so so I I love... I I don't think we talk about the opening clips too much in discussion. No.
0: Although I do... I think I'm going to make sure we play them more often later on in the show. I'm going to try to
2: make an effort to do that. But I will say, you know, coming off of his... First ever press conference, you know, saying, you know, <laughs> there were th- millions of people there, period, yeah. and, you know, and now it's full stop. You got to realize, man, He he's, you got to tone it down there, Spicer, just a little bit. Yeah, he's definitely been getting attention. Uh,
0: he got, uh, you he know, got he Melissa got, McCarthy's mm-hmm. attention.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we'll play that. We'll play the whole context of that clip yes. later on in the show, just that way we can't have a full discussion about it. Cause you're right. Yeah. We, yeah. There's, there's, a lot to, there's a lot to dig in there. This Yemen situation is, is, Really, well, it could we could be a whole know, show on its own. Well, we
2: didn't even know that we were there. What? And then all of a sudden, wait, Yemen? up.: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah,
0: very true. That's exactly. very Exactly. Okay, yeah. so let's, though, let's do our duties. And uh, before we get into that, let's talk about the cyber. We're here to honor- We always start cyber. We've got to honor our ASL, roots. Man. And uh, I want you guys to be careful because you may be ISIS's next puppet, Daesh. Uh,
4: ISIL. Quote. Once you have found the car, look at the front right tire. You'll find the keys placed on top. Open it and retrieve the bag. This is just one of the chilling messages sent to new ISIS recruits
2: from the terror group's virtual men... Also, uh, an episode of Black Mirror, by the way. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I just, you, I also want to throw that out there. There, uh, just uh, spoiler alert: there's an episode of Black Mirror where you know the keys are left on tires, and there's things that are happening in a certain episode.
0: Do you like how CNN? So, uh, first of all, Jake's, you know, he's got the dramatic rig going, oh, and yeah. then uh, they insert like the iMessage. You notice, like, they're really kind of trying to make you feel it, and they got, like, a blurry they shot They want of the you city. to know what is happening here. They're doing theater they of the mind. Feel, oh, uh,
2: uh, of a, course. A lot of
0: attention is being put into that list because they're inserting and sweetening all of this stuff. It's not like they just accidentally so, fell
2: into road noise. For, for our audio listeners out there, what I want you to do, I want you to close your eyes and let Jake Tapper paint the story for you. Quote, once
4: you have found the car, look at the front right tire. You'll find the keys placed on top open it, and retrieve the bag. This is just one of the chilling messages sent to new ISIS recruits from the terror group's virtual mentors thousands of miles away, according to... Virtual
2: mentors. Virtual mentors. So do do I go into a Discord chat and I say, I need a mentor, and then they assign you one? Well, is
0: that how it I, works? Uh, yeah, all they really tell you is they use encrypted
2: apps, Chase. Ah, so they must be using Telegram. Yeah, of course. That's Got what it. that... To yeah.
4: the New York Times. In a
0: recent report,
4: journalist Rachmini Kalimaki shows that not all of these so-called lone wolf attacks were, in fact, by lone wolves. She oh. found the terrorists using encrypted apps and explicit instructions to expand their reach from Syria and Iraq to online followers around the world.
0: Isn't it interesting how Jake talks about this like like this is an undiscussed aspect of it's these attacks? It's unbelievable. When they're the ones that coined, coined the meme inspired by and directed by ISIS, right. which always meant they got hit up on a Twitter or something like that. And then, but then they talk about it in this piece as as if this is something we never realized before
4: she found the terrorists using encrypted apps and explicit instructions to expand their reach from Syria and Iraq to online followers around the world
5: they basically just reach over the internet into our communities and then and then almost like a puppeteer uh, pulling the strings of a puppet um, they 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 um, maneuver that person
0: uh, Jason you can tell that she's an expert because she's sitting in
2: front of a screen of Iraq yeah and, and we've seen this before where you know the during the Interviews, they'll place their so-called expert yeah. in front of a screen yeah. that shows what they're talking about. But and then that's how you know they're an expert, exactly. They
5: Basically, just reach over the internet into our communities, and then and then almost like a puppeteer uh, pulling the strings of a puppet, um, they 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 um, maneuver that person.
0: The implication is is that by somehow using the internet. You become so open to to remote suggestion that it yeah. just takes a mastermind puppeteer from ISIS just so weak just to, to just to get a hold of you yeah. because you are you see what happens with the phones chase is yeah. you hold them close to your eyes mm-hmm. and uh, if you didn't know this the eyes are the window well, to the soul well,
2: well the good news here <laughs> the good news here Chris is we don't have to worry about this because uh, thanks to the NSA. And CIA, you know, we oh, have the yeah. prison program. right? So they're and already so watching this they, and tracking all this down. They already have this stuff. And In it's fact, these ter- ISIS puppeteers are exposing them and their entire network when they do this. It's just a matter of months before they compile the information and are able to strike. Yeah good point.
5: Uh, Towards the attack. They will sometimes provide everything down to the bullets uh, that the person needs to use to kill victims.
0: I think she's I think she's confusing remote ISIS puppeteers with the FBI anti-terrorism task force. I think she's I think she's getting those two.
4: Officials and analysts are not describing these actions as ISIS directed or ISIS inspired.
2: They're known instead as ISIS-enabled plots.
6: Oh, wait, what's oh, as
5: new We got a new
6: right, one, buddy! We, all
2: right, that's something we got to track now. That is, <laughs> is a ISIS-enabled. A yeah, so that's... Hmm, I wonder what the difference is. I hope they explain Bullets, this to us.
5: Bullets uh, that the person needs to use to kill victims.
4: Officials and analysts are not describing these actions as ISIS-directed or ISIS-inspired. They're known instead as ISIS
0: enabled okay. plots.
4: Yeah. Such as the one carried out in a Bangladesh cafe last year that left 22 dead. And the 2015 shooting in Garland, Texas where the would-be terrorists were killed.
0: You wonder if there's any any coincidence that they're like mentioning these specific foreign ones after Trump accused them of not covering terrorist attacks. It almost feels like this just randomly fell out of the sky this well, news report. Well, to be
2: fair, I think they've been You be fair. I'm balanced, okay? And, you know, they, they. I think they've been talking about these things for a oh, while. Oh, for sure. But yeah. then
0: this report all of a sudden just... It's, know, another, it's
4: another recap. Since 2015, Kalimaki reports, at least 10 ISIS-enabled plots have been carried out from Indonesia to Paris to Germany and the United States. <laughs> For ISIS, these are cheaper, easier directives, often discovered only after the suspects are caught. Interrogation transcripts obtained by The New York Times provide a trove of details.
5: These are interrogation transcripts um, that that show both what the attackers who survived the attacks um, said to police uh, and also um, uh, detailed reports of what was found on on their smartphones and on their laptops. In
4: 2014, ISIS sought to enable an attack in Hyderabad, India. Indian investigators said the ISIS recruit later detailed 17 months of instructions from virtual plotters. ISIS-Hanther,
5: who we now know was sitting uh, in Syria, um, uh, arranged for uh, for several uh, drops of, of weapons and chemicals that were going to be used in this attack and they were left in um, in, in locations that ranged from a tree to a, a package that was to be left uh, next to a railroad track, to an overpass, to a canal.
4: Some recruits are swept up by murderous mentorship even faster. On murderous Christmas mentorship. Day 2015, Emmanuel Lutkman of Rochester, New York, reached out to ISIS online.
5: Within six days, uh, he was moved to he was moved from talking to the handler to agreeing to do an attack to going to Walmart to buy um, to buy uh, the axe that he was going to use.
4: Thankfully, Lutkman was captured before he was able to carry out his oh, plans. Luckily, <laughs> intelligence officials continue to hone in on this new trend in terror, hoping to foil more plots before they're carried out.
0: Does this mean we're going to just have FBI agents sitting on Facebook Messenger trying to get more stupid people to do stupid things? Uh,
2: remember, Chris, we already heard about that last week. They have a whole entire division yeah. dedicated to Facebook yeah. and Twitter, and just combing the web yeah. to making sure that we're safe.
0: You know what we really need to do is at an institutional level, you know, starting with the children, is we need to teach them the dangers <laughs> of, of cyber. And the kids. <laughs> specifically, when we're coming with the kids, yeah. we, we got to make sure we teach them the dangers of Russian cyber. Russian cyber. Well, just three
7: chase. weeks ago, a California lawmaker who was upset about November's election wanted to mandate school training in how to spot fake news. Now, a different lawmaker, same state, has his own notions about how to improve education in the wake of Hillary Clinton's defeat. California Assemblyman Mark Levine is crafting a new bill that would require public schools in the state to teach about the subject of Russian hacking and how it supposedly oh. swayed the last U.S. election. <laughs> is, that is
0: that real? <laughs> yeah, it's real. Look, I,
2: we don't need to dwell on it, but yeah. Wait, it's, are you sure that those are not alternative facts from yeah, no, Tucker? God. Are you sure? <laughs>
0: Wow. It's not Tucker's story. It's not Tucker's. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, he's just reporting on it. It's he's not just his reading story. the prompter. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not, original. Oh, it's not his oh, original It's reporting. not his thing. Got, got it, it. Got, got it. it. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, all right. So I just thought that was, that's funny. Like, yeah, we got to teach him about the Russian cyber dangers.
2: I mean, I mean to be fair. Can I you think... imagine how that lesson would go? Could you imagine? Could you picture that? I mean, to be fair, right now, parents, uh, you know, and oh, I know we have a lot of parents that listen to this show. And yourself included. And I, I know you not I don't, don't listen I, to I, us, I know, I know. I know, but I know you don't do this. Oof. Like There are kids now, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, that are basically getting all their information from their parents about what oh, they sure, think and yeah. what to believe, right? And so though th- that's the stuff that we got to be careful about. You know, you really got to
0: worry about Putin. It's Putin you got to worry about. Oh, yeah. You need to teach he's him. He's evil. Yeah. Look at, you know, McCain, he's, a, he's an older gentleman now. Yeah. He's got to conserve his energy, mostly just to keep his old body alive. Uh, so he very rarely gets fired up, but there's one thing that gets him fired up. Can you guess
2: what it is? Military stuff, <laughs> well, yeah, veteran stuff. Yeah,
0: but yeah, but you know, with McCain, I mean, I think I think it's probably military stuff. But I think that's really the motivation here. It's Putin, and I think that's connected to the military stuff. He yeah. just wants war so bad, and no war would be as good as a Putin war. That'd be the Vladimir best war. knew that Putin is a killer, and he's a killer. He might
8: very well be the next target. It was yesterday. By the Vladimir way, Vladimir knew that there was no moral equivalence
2: for all of our visual, uh, our audio people. Uh, <laughs> you like this visual he's got going here? It's not dramatic at all. Is McCain's it? got an intern or White House aide or whatever putting pictures of these uh, these people, yeah, uh, on an easel behind him. They do this a is lot. Yeah. So big, it's huge. It's I larger mean, than McCain is. Do they actually have an in-house printing press? They must because they do it a lot. They, wow. So yeah, the easel is always there.
0: I knew that there
8: was no moral equivalence between the United States and Putin's Russia. I repeat, there is no moral equivalence right. between that butcher and thug and KGB colonel and the United <laughs> States of America, the country that Ronald Reagan used to call a shining city on a hill. And to to allege some kind of moral equivalence between the two is either terribly misinformed or Incredibly biased.
2: Do you, do you think he's barely getting it out? I was going to say, do, do you think McCain is playing? Uh, you know, playing a uh, partisan, or is he truly upset against uh, what Trump I, said? I don't
0: know. I don't really know. I, I'm not sure. Um, I'll tell you what. It's it feels like he's stumbling through the words. It doesn't feel like he- to call a shining city on a hill,
8: and to to uh, allege some kind of moral equivalence between the two uh, is uh, either terribly misinformed or incredibly biased neither neither can be
0: accurate in any way
2: he just kind of trails off and loses it at the end and yeah, well he lost more pictures
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah where's my pictures uh, so turns out according to the media that putin wants you to start hitting your wife
9: ignored oh. or dismissed that there's so much concern about a new law that softens punishment for domestic violence If it's a first offense and doesn't cause serious medical harm, it's no longer considered a criminal
0: offense. So uh, the uh, headlines, and you can find a few examples. Putin can do that, by the way. I thought they had their own. No, exactly. Thank you. So you'll find lots of links in the show notes about (sighs) this. The headlines everywhere are Putin legalizes domestic violence. Uh, The CNN headline is Putin decriminalizes domestic violence. Some domestic violence. It varies. But see,
2: here's the thing you guys got to realize is these kind of headlines, People just run with, and they post on Facebook, they right. post on Twitter, and we're not saying that you know Putin's a great guy or anything, but there's a process. Even in Russia, there's a yes. process. He does sign the law. He signs yeah. it into law, but of course it comes through the legal system. And it- sure, he can encourage <laughs> this. But yeah. him and him alone. It, so I read, I read what it does, okay. and uh, what
0: it what it what it's doing is if there's not if there's not like serious bruising or injury,
2: yeah. uh, it's removing the two year jail penalty. Oh, okay. Are they out of jail space? Is that what they're doing? Um, they've
0: been decrim. They've been they've been decriminalizing more minor, more and more minor of, uh, offenses for for the last couple of years. But specifically, specifically, they decriminalized uh, a lot of minor injury offenses six months ago, but they didn't do, th- in regards to domestic, that didn't change. Okay. This now is sort of changing domestic violence to be specifically in line with laws that changed six months ago. Right. Interestingly enough, one of the primary champions for this law change, a woman. Wow, uh, Yeah, really? in, their, in their parliament or whatever the hell they have over there.
2: Wow. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, she was also one of the chief... Well, now, remember, kids... <clears throat> Domestic violence is not just a crime against women; it's also a crime against men too. Well, so maybe a lot of Russian women are beating up on their guys, <laughs> <laughs> and they they want to uh, they want to make sure it's legal. I, you know, I don't know. You never know. Uh, I think
0: I think it's hard for us to fully understand because they have uh, the, in Russia. Uh, my my really poor band's understanding is they have a higher respect for the family structure than they do for the government structure, and it is considered in their culture. I think that you resolve these things in the family, and sometimes that means that man gets his ass kicked by somebody else in the family. Uh-huh, it's a family right, okay. internal thing. Yep. And so this, self-policing almost. So it's, it's you can look at it in two ways. It's it's it could potentially be it could be um, enabling domestic violence. It also it could if you look at it from my perspective on this particular topic. My perspective is is jailing people for minimums of 2 years over what could be domestic violence or a dispute which could sometimes be contentious as to who's actually at fault that does that does 100 times more damage to families throwing fathers in jail for a year or 2 years to keep them away from their children because of what might be a misunderstanding i'm not i'm i am not trying to advocate for domestic violence i'm saying sometimes there are legitimately Hard, it's hard to to really kind of suss out what happened. And at least here in the states, what happens is generally it's assumed the man did something wrong. We've heard a lot of you know. There's a lot of cases where you just don't really know what's going on, and so it's you just okay. It's a separate. You guys are going to have to be separated. Everybody's assumed or, guilty, or, or
2: or typically the the cops will arrest the guy. So depending on where you're at,
0: yeah, that's 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 kind of what I'm getting at. Uh, and so I. I, I definitely don't want something to enable domestic violence. At the same time, I, I think it also does a ton of damage to the family to throw people in jail. And I think if you're decriminalizing a lot of minor uh, uh, violence offenses, it kind of makes sense
2: to do I all mean, of them. I mean, we don't have the full picture. I mean, they, they could be decriminalizing it and then require counseling or require well, I'm not other sure, things. Yeah. Yeah, we we I, really don't know.
0: I don't know, but I I,
2: I find it interesting that we don't – it's a distraction the media is doing, though, and I think we need to keep bring the focus back to that. Is they're throwing this up to say, "Oh my God, look, this is Putin endorsing domestic violence."
0: Yeah, exactly. What we don't, what, what I don't like to do is I don't like to take our our values and our perspectives on things and apply them to another culture, right, and say, and then judge. And then you have on top of that, which is just it's all that's already a bad practice. That you can't help. But then on top of it, to make the situation worse, you have the media spinning this in a way that says Putin is is decriminalizing some domestic violence. I mean, that's literally the lower third. And this is one of the gentler ones. The lower third literally reads Putin is decriminalizing some domestic violence. And it's part of this narrative to make him about to be this horrible boogeyman. And what do they consider domestic violence? I don't know. I mean, and I don't. I don't really. I don't really feel like I know enough about Russian culture and right. any of that
2: to really. Speak I mean, I well know. It, I know CNN wants to tell you about it. <laughs>
10: ignored or
9: dismissed that there's so much concern about a new law that softens punishment for domestic violence. If it's a first offense and doesn't cause serious medical harm, it's no longer considered a criminal offense. The legislation, which focuses on forms of battery, comes just six months after battery. Russia decriminalized minor assault, but made an exception for domestic violence. Anger-
0: that was just a man on the street. Okay. they just going to man on the street. So it's, it's you know, if it's if it's not a major
2: assault, and I want to make it clear, if it's a major assault, and it'd be, it's pretty clear and obvious yeah. in those cases, I, I, who's at fault? I don't think they're, they're I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm happy with our, in our world that, you know, on either side, domestic violence is treated very seriously. It's it sucks that over in Russia they they decided to go a different way about it. Uh, but that being said, I I tend to think though that they they still have some sort of process in place where people can yeah. provide feedback. I guess
0: I guess what I'm, I'm failing the point I'm failing to make because it's hard. People don't understand how devastating the the jail system is to the family structure here in the United States. Uh, and it's something that people who have a certain level of privilege, like maybe they've never been to jail or they don't have family members in jail, they just have the privilege of ignoring this problem and then judging people well, yeah, if you hit somebody, your ass better go to jail, and if you don't think so, then you're enabling domestic violence and they' and they they're able to make that decision and judgment from a very privileged position of never having to like I said be in jail or have a family member go. And if you ever have witnessed it from one of those perspectives, it's, it feels like an like a unstoppable, evil, massive force, like a storm, comes into your family. And one day you realize that the storm has wiped out so much and you, you, there was no way to prepare for it and there's nothing you can do. And the worst thing about it is, is that storm was powered by people. And our complicity with the system that enabled it and gave it power in the first place. And all of a sudden, the superpower of the federal hand is able to come down and take a family member away from you for something that in some people's judgment is a very minor offense, depending on the situation. And if you've never experienced that, it's really easy to sit here from a position of privilege and judge what people should or shouldn't go to jail for. And I think we too quick, I think we too easily and quickly just send people to jail over all kinds of minor offenses. And so if Russia is rolling back laws that save people from going to jail over minor things, in it seems like in a way it's actually and, a net win for their society.
2: And they're And they're not saying that they won't have any kind of supervision. They're not saying that there's not going to be any kind of follow up. They're not saying that they can just get away with it. They're just saying that they're not going to put you in jail for something, you know, a minor thing.
0: So it could so act in, in a way it would actually be if it would be it would be a refreshing wave of change if it were to happen here in the states. But when it happens in Russia, we cast it as Putin is legitimizing domestic
2: violence. Well, because, it, like I said, it, it grabs a headline and creates a distraction for people to yeah. concentrate I on.
0: Think, and the distraction, one of the things they're distracting from is the situation in eastern Ukraine. Our world lead, the violence
4: unfolding in eastern Ukraine. More casualties on both sides in the past 24 hours as forces loyal to Vladimir Putin have stepped up attacks in the last week or so. It seems like a pretty basic cut-and-dry issue on which the U.S. president should pick a side, but we didn't quite get oh. Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall when Bill <laughs> nice. O'Reilly asked Mr. Trump about it
11: within 24 hours of you on the phone
12: with the russian leader the pro-russian forces step up the violence in ukraine yeah did you take that as an insult no i didn't because
0: you know i was actually surprised by that answer i actually thought i thought trump would take those things kind of personally Uh, So there is an uptick, an uptick in the violence. No,
12: I didn't because we don't really know exactly what that is. What? They're pro-forces. We don't know. Are they uncontrollable? Are they uncontrolled? That happens also. We're going to find out. I would be surprised, but we'll see.
0: This is an interesting statement because when he says there can be uncontrollable forces, he's, of course, referring to our forces in Syria who we couldn't uh, get to listen to our ceasefire, which made John Kerry's ceasefire collapse.
4: CNN's Phil Black has been on the front lines and joins us now live from eastern Ukraine. And, Phil, tell us what you're seeing.
0: What are you learning, Phil?
13: Phil. 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 Jake, at the front line, Ukrainian-controlled town of Evdivka. it's really the focus of the recent escalation. We heard and saw constant bombardment through the afternoon, artillery fire flying in both directions. Now, today, both sides seem to say that they suffered relatively few military casualties. No losses on the Ukrainian side Uh, Only two fighters killed on the pro-Russian separatist side. If true, then those losses are relatively light, given the intensity of what we were seeing. But crucially, that artillery fire is no longer bombarding residential areas. That's what's been happening over the last week. It's why the civilian casualties have been so high. Huge numbers of artillery shells have been falling on and
14: among people's homes.
0: So it's a pretty serious situation now. Russia has been very dismissive of uh, of it, which I always find to be kind of... uh... Telling of which side they're on, the rest is like, oh, it's just, it's just a little violence over the weekend. Uh, it, it was, you know, it was mostly, it was mostly caused by Ukraine.
14: As for the two days outbreak, outbreak, we have observed that
1: it really happened so and it was Ukraine who provoked situation it was, it happened on Friday, these were military hostilities and it, on Saturday the so-called voluntary groups of Ukraine see some parts of the self-proclaimed republics and they advance for some 200 meters and on Saturday they have to come back to their positions and there are several reasons to this situation.
0: So he basically just plays it. It's not a big deal. Don't pay attention to Don't it. Worry, you it's know. not a big
12: deal. we not sure. No, it's fine. <laughs> Putin last week. You had a busy week last week. I'm pretty busy, oh, week I'm... Yeah. busy week and a half.
0: Now, the next few words uh, in this exchange have got Donald Trump in a world of controversy for the last few hours. Do you do respect you? Putin?
12: I do respect him. Do you? Why? Well, I respect a lot of people, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get along with him. He's a leader of his country. <laughs> uh, I say it's better to get along with Russia than not. And if Russia helps us in the fight against ISIS, which is a major fight and Islamic terrorism all over the world, right? Major fight. That's a good thing. Will I get along with them? I have no idea. He's a killer, I though. Won't. Putin's a killer?
0: Now that was a boom. I mean, that's a that's a drop right there. Uh, and I, I wonder, I wonder if uh, if we were talking about another politician, where, where do you how do you define that that you, is it is it the poisoning of journalists? Is that what makes him the killer? Uh, would it be if he personally ordered drone strikes against children? Would that make him a killer? What makes him the killer? And and then when you when you gauge our politicians by those same standards, how does Hillary Clinton hold up? Right. <clears throat> what about Barack Obama or George Bush, who really got the uh, drone program really going? What about the man that ordered the murder of Aliwaki's son? Is he a murderer? So it's an interesting standard, right? So, and right. I thought, and I thought Trump's uh, response was, uh, well, it's Trump.
12: Get along with him? I have no idea. It's very He's a killer, I won't.
8: Putin's a
0: killer.
12: A lot of killers. You got-, <laughs> you got a lot of killers, Chase. A lot of killers. Why well, you think our country's so innocent? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oy. Now, what I love, I love, Oy this is, this is so classic Trump, though, the way he delivers this.
12: You think our country's so innocent? I don't know of any government leaders that are killers. And well, America. take a look at what we've done too. <laughs> people said this is drawing
0: a moral equivalence of Russia and the U.S., and it, that's why John McCain's all pissed off. He's got everybody all outraged.
12: We made a lot of mistakes. I've been against the war in Iraq from the beginning. Yeah, mistakes are different, Dad. <laughs> a lot of mistakes. Okay, but a lot of people were killed. So a lot of all killers right. around. Believe me. <laughs>
0: This is just an unbelievable interview from the president of the United
2: States. By the way, this played right after the Super Bowl. I thought it. I thought it played before the Super Bowl. I thought it was after. Uh,
12: I say it's better to get but along yeah, with Russia it was than the not. Super Bowl day. and if Russia helps us in the fight against ISIS, which is a major fight and Islamic terrorism all over the world, right? Major fight. That's a good thing. Will I get along with them? I have no idea. He's a killer. I won't. Putin's a killer. A lot of killers. We got a lot of killers. I, okay. By so, the way, did you
2: see the shaking of his head before he said a lot of killers? It's like the shaking of agreement. Like, yeah, he's mm, a killer. I'm giving that
0: a thought. I'm giving mm, that a thought. That's what yeah. I see this. Oh, okay. mm, I'm thinking about that. Yeah. You
2: know, geez, this is a tough call. I, I, I wondered if he, it's, when I heard this, yeah. I want to get my thought out. If he was just trying to deflect it because he, he likes Putin, obviously. And he's like, well, I don't want to try to say anything bad about him. So I'm going to try to say something bad about us. Like that's the route he took he instead of him talking about Putin, he brought it right back to America. If I was gonna see here's what here's what I don't yeah. like about
0: this question is you're you're kind of asking you're asking me to project intent on Trump's part, which yeah. I think happens way too much i I wouldn't say I wouldn't say his intent was to protect Putin I, I, I would guess based on the way what he just said. So I think the key is what he just said before O'Reilly asked the question right against ISIS, which right there, that right there,
12: that right there. Hey, It's better to get along with Russia than not. And if... He doesn't want to be the president that starts World I War III. See,
2: I see. So he, want, he wants, well, and Russia, Russia
12: helps us in the fight yeah. against ISIS, which is a major fight. And, and he wants to be the president that kicks the ass of ISIS.
2: Right. He
0: wants to be the president that says, in four years, I defeated ISIS right. and I prevented World War Three. That's what he, I, if I'm going to guess, and the only reason I could guess that is because that's literally what he says before he asked the question. And the only way to either one of those goals is not to piss off Vladimir Putin. And I think the other thing about Donald Trump is Donald Trump is the type of man who recognizes an authority figure like somebody who is an equal or respectable like donald trump knows when he's the most powerful man in the room and donald trump knows when he's dealing with somebody right. else who is powerful yeah you see the way he's still respectful about obama in this interview he's still respectful about obama he's still respectful to certain people even now that he's the president i think he knows that because he wants something for putin at some point he's gonna have to negotiate with putin he's got to be respectful to putin now and the reality is Really what he's doing, and I think this is what got him partially elected, is he will so quickly just call out the hypocrisy of the media right there in front of their face and say, what well, we're all thinking. Well, isn't isn't Hillary Clinton a murderer by helping well, just look at just look at the situation in Libya. If she helped at all and set that up, and we we kind of have an idea she did, especially with Gaddafi, right. There was, Gaddafi's death is literally She's partially responsible for that, even just to a partial degree. She helped in the murder of Gaddafi, who was an, who was an elected leader of a country. But for, for that's Trump, a murder.
2: But for the president to come out and just say. This, You know, and just say, you know, we're killers, too, or whatever. This is what we
0: have. to. I think we have to start. You know what else is he calls he calls it torture still, even now that he's the president. He doesn't call it enhanced rendition. He doesn't call it interrogation. He calls it
2: techniques. He
0: calls it torture still. And I, I really feel like it's this it's this removal of 1984 news speak that makes people that voted for him trust him. And if you look at the numbers, that was one of the number one things in the polls when people came out from voting is they said they he might he might be a little crazy, (laughs) but they believe what he says. They trust what he says. And nobody said that for Hillary. Right. And I think what what it is, is it's this sort of total like let's just cut out the news speak. Let's be honest. We just killed Gaddafi. We sent troops into Iraq. We've been we've been fueling the terrorists in Syria. We are President Obama. Chooses who to drone using baseball cards. He has a picture with their stats on there, and he plays baseball cards, and he chooses who to dro- who to drone. This is murder. We are all murderers, and so yes, Putin poisons journalists. So does Hillary Clinton. Seth Rich is dead. It's likely some tie to, the, to what happened with the DNC, what they were doing, and who they were polling for. Let's be honest. They're all murderers. They're up at that level. They're all a bunch of bastards. And I think what people in where whether it's the flyover states, I don't, maybe it's the, the people who won't admit it that really did vote for Trump. What they like is this kind of stuff. And for Donald Trump, it is easier to take this hit now. And then be able to negotiate with Putin later to be able to say in four years, I knocked out ISIS and I stopped World War three. It's a very calculated decision. It's hmm. What's still more important? And it's a split-second decision he makes. It's still more important that I accomplish these goals. I'm just going to call it like it is. And the moment the moment that calculus changes,
12: he'll stop saying that kind of stuff. Not bad, man. And Islamic terrorism all over the world. Right. Major fight. That's a good thing. Will I get along with them? I have no idea. It's He's a killer, I won't. Putin's a killer. A lot of killers. we got a lot of killers. Why, well, you think our country's so innocent? You think- See, when, when O'Reilly
0: concedes there... You notice one of the things Donald Trump does in his speech patterns. He doubles down on the controversial statement now, if O'Reilly had been shocked and recoiled and immediately was rejecting what Donald Trump has said, Trump would have pivoted and stopped talking. he would have or he would have changed but when he as soon as he noticed that o'Reilly was kind of like. Uh, you might have me there. As soon as O'Reilly concedes, just a just for I a micro moment, yeah. Donald Trump immediately doubles down. And this is a really important speech pattern of Donald Trump's. It's something that he does to sort of really nail a point and program it in your head. Is if if he gets a little bit of acknowledgement, he'll just repeat it.
12: A lot of killers. We got a lot of killers. Why well, you think our country's so innocent? You think our country's so innocent?
0: You see that? Yeah, he the just little, said this. The little
12: he, shrug, huh? Yeah. All of it.
0: All yeah. of it. He, oh, yeah. four,
12: he he basically says the same two things four times. A lot of killers. Why, well, you think our country's so innocent? Do You think our country's so innocent? He's just saying the same thing. Yeah. I don't know of any government leaders that are killers in the well, America. Well, take a look at what we've done, too. We've made a lot of mistakes. I've been against the war in Iraq from the beginning. Yeah, mistakes are different then. We made a lot of mistakes. Same okay, thing. A lot of mistakes. A lot of people mistakes. were killed, so... A lot of right. killers around. A movies. lot of killers. <laughs> Let's talk about Mexico. He's
0: taking those same words and he just sort of interjects a few things and says him over and over again. He essentially says a lot of killers four times. Right. And what you end up walking away with is really whatever you want to take from it. But what a lot of people walked away with was, well, he's doing a moral equivalency. He's saying that the U.S. is is no better off than Russia. And then that just got him so much trouble. That just that MSNBC really had to go after it.
7: online congressman. You saw Senate Majority Leader Mitch
15: McConnell. You saw, for example, your colleague, Congressman Chris Collins coming out and saying that they would not have essentially used those words, the characterization of Vladimir Putin as a killer. Do you agree with the president's wording here?
0: Well, my word First is- of all. First of all, it was not Trump's word. O'Reilly called him a killer first. He's a killer. O'Reilly used those words. And what I agree with is that uh, Russia is an adversary of the United States that Vladimir Putin wants to be Vladimir the Great. Woo! Uh, he thinks that he's eight feet tall. He's meddling in parts of the world where we have American service members. This guy's a Betazoid. He's able to read Vladimir Putin's mind and project his intention all the way across the globe. It's amazing MSNBC technology. has landed a real asset here. American security interests uh, at risk and in harm's way because of Russian meddling. Uh, they Med- are not I- our friend. Uh, and it's uh, very important that there is a long game because Vladimir Putin looks... Uh, Literally, you know, five, 10, 20 pieces uh, down the chessboard. Uh, It's important that we are doing more than that in order to combat what we see. I mean, I would argue avoiding World War Three is exactly that. Yeah. And and antagonizing a a world superpower like Russia for short term gain, like like Crimea and Syria's pipelines. Is unbelievably short sighted in the context of World War Three. You really want to You really want to topple Assad for your damn oil pipelines, and and you're telling me that that's the long-term vision? It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Just no. Just no. You know what? I can't even with these people, Chase. I can't <laughs> even with these people. More clips in the Supporters think about all of that, but I I want to start talking about Yemen for a little bit, because this is sort of our last like real-world news stuff. Yeah, then we're going to get into some more domestic stuff. So last week, we talked about how we learned about a ground raid in Yemen because... We lost a life over there. And so instead of the media announcing a new ground defense or defense, whatever you want to call it, in Yemen, they announced the the loss of a life. And it was sort of like this awkward introduction to the public that we are now active in Yemen. And then after that, it quickly became uh, a – well, it's a failed raid. It's a failed raid because we lost a life. We lost a, a helicopter. It's not really clear what we gained. It was a bad deal.
4: Also, learning some new information about how that U.S. raid in Yemen went down, aside from the tragic death of Chief Petty Officer William Ryan Owens. Today, Yemeni officials also said seven women and six children were among civilians killed
0: in the raid. Yeah, that's this. So it's super unfortunate, too, because, you know, with the civilian loss specifically, you would hope that would be. Uh, avoided just because they planned for months, I mean yeah. months and months of planning went into this a lot of training, so you would hope that that kind of thing could be avoided.
4: We also learned today that Pentagon planning for the mission, including minor details down to the illumination from the moon, those were carefully crafted during the previous administration
0: that would be obama that would be yes, that would be obama so this 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 was already something that the Obama administration was considering doing and they were trying to weigh the, uh, the value of what they thought they would gain and they had decided it would be worth the attempt –
11: A senior U.S. military official confirming to CNN that that raid, that special forces raid, U.S. Navy SEAL raid in Yemen a week ago Sunday that left the U.S. Navy SEAL dead, as well as a number of civilians, including an eight-year-old girl, that the target of that raid, not just intelligence collection, but in fact, the leader of al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, AQAP, Qasim al-Rimi, he was a target of the raid. He was not killed in the raid. And since that attack last sunday he's gone and put out an audio recording mocking president donald trump uh- in part for his surviving this attempt to kill him but but the key information there wolf is that there was a very significant target in this raid it helps explain uh, the enormous allocation of resources all those special forces those US Navy seals uh, those
0: special forces from the United Arab Emirates as well so the situation in Yemen is uh, is a real shit show it's like a it's like a civil war almost uh, so you have the Houthis the Houthis um i guess you could call them the rebels And uh, they overthrew essentially the capital city, at least, I think in 2015, if I remember correctly, Uh, they've been they sort of gained power slowly, slowly, slowly. Pretty soon they had like some voting authority kind of stuff. And then things then there was a really rough weekend where there was fighting in the streets. Nine people, eight people were killed and they stormed the, uh, the essentially what would be the White House. And uh, took over the office of the president. And so now Yemen is uh, essentially split between the Houthis in the north who uh, are essentially backed by the people and trying to overthrow the Saudi Arabian puppet government. Um, And then in the south, you have Al-Qaeda, AQAP. And – the funny thing is about this situation is Saudi Arabia has been bombing the Houthis trying to get the old government back in their in their in their in their uh, building cuz of course once the Houthis took over they they totally disbanded like the parliament and they put their own like new decision maker hierarchy in there that's a different format of government and uh the Saudis don't want to have any of it because the Houthis don't like the Saudis and If you don't know, go look at a map. Yemen sits right at the bottom of Saudi Arabia. So Saudi Arabia has some interest here. The problem is is Al-Qaeda, AQAP, is no friend of the Houthis. They're fighting for the same resources. So when we bomb AQAP – we essentially embolden the Houthis, which then pisses off Saudi Arabia. So then we have to go bomb the Houthis more or support Saudi Arabia more to make up for the fact that we just bombed AQAP oh boy. and we are in a cycle now. <laughs> yeah. So we are now trapped in a cycle. So this is why we are now doing ground actions in Yemen against al-Qaeda because we've been supporting the Houthis or we've been supporting the attack against the Houthis, which has empowered al-Qaeda it's a real mess. We shouldn't be involved in there at all. I barely can really grok what's going on because there's no real government per se. So when they say the Yemen government has uh, said that there will be no more U.S. raids, well, that's kind of horseshit because there isn't really a Yemen government. There is no Yemeni government. There's no legit government uh, unless – because we don't we, – we refuse to acknowledge the Houthis. And if you don't acknowledge the Houthis, which are in control of the capital – then there's really no legitimate government. And so this report that all oh, the, the, the Yemenis said no more, no more assaults by the U.S. <clears throat> it might not actually be might not actually be really true. Uh, it's, it's the, truth lies the
11: government between. of Yemen has withdrawn permission for the U.S. to launch special operations ground missions inside the country. The rebuke comes after a raid against Al Qaeda compound in Yemen's al Bayda province. At least 30 people were killed, including civilians. American Navy SEAL William Ryan Owens also died. It was the first commando raid approved by President Trump. David Martin's at the Pentagon with more. David, good morning.
0: So I have in the show notes, I have the CNN article on this, um, and the CNN article starts with "The the, the first military raid approved by Donald Trump kills civilians. Or then another take is Donald Trump's first raid, comma, kills civilians. So they have a lot of this Donald Trump's first failure. Donald Trump kills civilians. It's not really fair, though.
16: Yemen no longer allowing the United States to fight terror on the ground in their country. The East nation angry about a raid targeting senior Al Qaeda militants last
0: week. Now, that's now the, the reality of that is, is they want to reevaluate, and the U.S. has to get approval first. But it's interesting who was killed in this attack. Uh, I don't know if you caught this. Let me see if I see if I got to the right spot in the clip here.
16: Among those killed, the eight year old daughter of this man this is radical cleric Anwar al Awaki.
0: So, so Anwar al-Awlaki is the first U.S. citizen that we droned without judicial process. Right. Obama did that. Then we went back and we droned his 17-year-old son when he was at, like, a public shop. You remember that? Yeah. And now...
2: The daughter. Now we've killed his eight-year-old daughter. <sighs> what the hell? What the hell? Are, are they afraid that family members are going to... You know, this is a, for revenge. Kind I feel of like thing.
0: this is a super, like an eight year old daughter of this. I, I got to back this up a little bit because you guys got to hear this again.
16: In the death of a number of civilians, among those killed, the eight year old daughter of this man. This is radical cleric Anwar al Awaki.
0: This is just, it's like we have a, it's like we are committing, is it gen, what is it called when you wipe out an entire family? What is that called? It's I, like we're committing war against an entire family. It's...
16: Ralph Peters is a Fox News strategic analyst. He joins us now. What do you think of this situation now? What's your take?
17: Well, there are are several parts of this, Melissa. And the first thing I want to make very, very clear to, to all your viewers... Is it military operations of this nature, special operations? Yeah,
0: He goes on to talk about how they're hard, but the part that I thought was kind of interesting.
16: Quote from a Brussels-based humanitarian organization on the U.S. operations in Yemen. They say, the use of U.S. soldiers' high civilian casualties in disregard for local, tribal, and political dynamics plays into AQAP's narrative of defending Muslims against the West and could increase anti-U.S. sentiment, and with it a qap's pool of recruits this is always the argument this is the international crisis group yeah. on thursday it, it it's is. always the argument
17: and, and, but i think this is really a local yemeni problem i think that's exactly what happens
0: is it, it it's 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 it so proves their point it so proves their point rich. He is no more responsible for the difficulty. Let me back it up a little bit. So the other thing to consider, of course, is...
17: You know, the the media are blaming President Trump for the failure of this raid. That is a stretch. He is no more responsible for the difficulties, not failure, but the difficulties of this raid, than Obama was responsible Mm. for the SEAL's success against bin Laden. Presidents aren't on the ground fighting. Yeah. You you know, it's it's about the guys with the guns. It it was Obama's plan. It was
0: Obama's plan. And I don't understand why... So I guess it would have been Obama's plan to... I mean, did they? I would. I would really like to know if anybody can find any more information that says why they targeted Alwaki's daughter, or if it was just some sort of extremely freak freak coincidence that now the man, the son, and the daughter chat rooms letting us know it's called democide. Ah, I knew there was a word for it. Thank you. Yeah, boy, that's disgusting. So uh, this uh, this this uh, interview, what the press conference with Spicer about this (laughs) failed raid is fascinating, and let's listen to his Yemen has
15: uh, withdrawn permission from the United (laughs) States uh, to run special operations ground missions um, against suspected terrorists in the wake of the recent raid there that claimed so many civilian lives. Does that not undercut the administration's ability to fight terrorism in that region, and do you stand by your assessment that
18: it's a success?
1: Well, I'll take the last one first. It's absolutely a success. Absolutely. And I think anyone who would suggest it's not a success does disser to the life of Chief Ryan Owens.
0: Now that's disgusting. Using a fallen soldier like that. I mean, I guess it's not it's, un, it's not unprecedented to use it for political purposes, and, but and it's, it, and it's happened on both sides. It's so gross, though. And yeah. it shows you with with the with the earnest sincerity that he's attempting to project here. It shows you, I think, it gives you a, a, a special insight into how low. This man and the Trump, the Trump administration are willing to go for public image. To control the narrative, they are willing to go this low. Now, I think because of that, he kind of starts to fall apart. And if you listen to the words he actually says, he's stumbling through the rest of this after making such a bold statement. He fought knowing what was at stake in that mission. And, um, and anybody who would suggest otherwise doesn't fully appreciate now, listen carefully. He's not about to say raid. He slips and says something else. I think it's telling. Doesn't fully appreciate how successful that mission was,
1: what the information that they were able to retrieve was, and how that will help prevent future terrorist attacks. I understand that. I think my statement is very clear on that, Kristen. I think anybody who
0: get who it is. undermines the success of that rage... What did he just say? Rage. Anybody that undermines the success of that ra- Hmm. Well what's that about? I
1: think anybody who get who undermines the success of that rage owes an
0: apology and a disservice. They owe an apology and they owe a disservice. An ap- apology and a disservice. What? I think it's supposed to be and it's a
19: disservice. I know, but, yeah. but he's losing it. He's yeah.
0: losing he's losing his whole thread here. I think
1: anybody who get who undermines the success of that rage it was an apology and a disservice to the life of Chief Owens.
20: I, I, hold
1: up, Kristen, can I answer the Owens. question? I'm answering the question. Please let me finish. The raid, the, the action that was taken in Yemen was a huge success. Huge. American lives will be saved because of it. Future attacks will be prevented. The life of Chief Ryan Owens was done. It was done. The life of Chief Ryan was done. The life of Chief Ryan Owens was done in service to this country, and we owe him and his family a great debt for the information that we received during that raid. And
0: that 8-year-old girl. I think
1: any suggestion otherwise is a disservice to his courageous life and the actions that he just took. Basically, stop. if you criticize oh, 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 us, stop, that you, means
2: we can't talk about if it. If
0: you criticize us, you're, you're not a patriot. Yeah. You, I mean, you you don't support the military if you if that's his argue, that's that's his defense, and that's disgusting.
2: Yeah, and, and and to say that we can't have a dialogue, because if we have a dialogue it's a quote unquote disservice is bull. It's I mean weak, dude. It's terrible.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Spicer is barely holding it together during that whole thing. He's barely holding it together. Calling the the raid rage, he, he was his life was done. Right. You owe him a disservice. I mean, he's he's falling apart. Right. Not talking very well. You know who else is falling apart? Who's that? The Democratic leadership this week. (laughs) Let's play. So before we get into what happened to Elizabeth Warren, uh, I thought it would be interesting to see what happened to Franken also. During this, uh, during this whole thing, which I don't think has gotten nearly as much attention.
21: A little bit, to, I've heard uh, a little bit. I object to the senator disparaging a fellow member of the committee here in his absence, I would think he'd... Well, he should be here, would, first of all. And I would, I secondly, would he hope he would have, me, do senator. it to his face.
22: <laughs> uh, let him make his case, and then we'll go back to you. Sure.
21: I object to the senator... We're here to talk about the and president's give nominee, you a, not I'll a, give you a, a colleague, no. and I object to disparaging... Hey, don't take this from my time. ...disparaging a colleague... On this committee, and particularly in the colleague's absence, it's just not
22: it's untoward and it's inappropriate, and I object
10: okay uh,
22: can I speak to that? You can speak to it, but I think that uh, we we'd be better off if we just let it go
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let it go. This is the clown show <laughs> at
21: this point. you mean, let me continue my speech? yeah, would you do that please? I will thank you. <laughs> but just to be safe, just to make sure that. Okay, I, I did that paragraph. This is what happened. Those are the facts. But when describing this history, Senator Cruz misrepresented what happened. So I'd like to take this opportunity to set I the object, record straight. I object again. The Senator apparently can't get the message from the Chairman <laughs> that this is, this, is, this is over the top and inappropriate. I think the Senator from Texas doesn't get the message from the Chairman. You- <laughs> this is
0: just so this is a real clown show. It goes oh on for a couple God. more minutes. So let's get to so it's 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 goes. It really takes off, though, when uh, Mitch McConnell shuts down uh, Elizabeth Warren. Oh. Mr. President, they
9: are. Mr.
0: President,
17: the majority leader,
11: the senators impugn the motives and conduct of our colleague from Alabama as warned by the chair, Senator Warren, quote, said Senator Sessions has used the awesome power of his office to chill the free exercise of the vote by black citizens. I call the senator to order under the provisions of Rule 19. Mr. President.
9: Senator from Massachusetts.
3: Senator from Massachusetts.
9: Mr. President, I am surprised that the words of Coretta Scott King are not suitable for debate in the United States Senate, I ask leave of the Senate to continue my remarks.
17: Okay. Is there objection? Object.
9: I appeal objection. the ruling. Objection, of-
17: objection is heard. The senator will take her seat. You see how
0: he's being prompted? Well, yeah, it's I the rules person. I appeal the ruling person. of the chair, yeah. Yeah.
9: and I suggest the absence of a quorum.
0: The, the clerk will call the roll. So that, that was kind of, it's, it, there's, I know this gets a little slow, but I think it's important to see what happens here.
9: It has been a long uphill struggle to keep alive the vital legislation that protects the most fundamental right to vote. A person who has exhibited so much hostility to the enforcement of those
17: laws. The senator is reminded that as a violation of Rule 19 of the standing rules of the Senate, To impute to another senator or senators any conduct or motive unworthy or becoming a senator.
0: So they shut her down, saying that she's impugning another senator by reading this text. Uh, And, you know, Elizabeth Warren, she kind of had a, I think... A bit of a talking to before this, so she knew this was coming, and she was prepared. She's a martyr after
16: being banned from speaking. Senator Warren went to a nearby room and read the <sighs> Coretta so Scott here we go. King here letter we go. on Facebook. Brought live. to you by Mitch McConnell. You go, girl.
0: So she had a she had a Facebook live stream set up ready to go. She sits down, does the Facebook live, and just gets a ton of attention for this. And essentially, they just set her up to be a, like a, a, a right you know, a, a, to a, get
2: more attention, a major <laughs> amount of attention. Yeah, if if they just would have let her speak. Yeah, this
0: wouldn't a, it wouldn't, wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be on the radar. This was a huge gaffe on their part. Thank
2: you, thank you, Mitch,
0: she
16: Mitch McConnell. She also posted a series of tweets saying she will not be no, silent, which I will be use. retweeting M- all day, Nobody, with many is. Democrats across yeah. the country.
21: Nobody ever expected her to be silent, and Mitch McConnell should have known that. Should actually get more publicity. Wait till you
10: see
16: this. Yeah,
21: this so they got more
0: publicity now. <laughs> right, more publicity, and is perfect for Elizabeth Warren.
23: Brian Kilmeade, if any moment captures the rising tensions that we are seeing in the Senate best, that may have been it.
12: You know what? That that should have been on Broadway. It shouldn't have been in Washington, <laughs> D.C. That was a big act. Cory Booker was a big act. Senator Warren was a big act. There was nothing sincere about that. And I just interviewed Senator T- uh, Tom Cotton on the radio show. And he said if she felt that way about one of her colleagues, that he's a racist and dating back to the 1980s, how dare she stay silent all these years? She could have come <laughs> up and spoke out. But now she picks this time. <laughs> no,
0: that's, that's, that's a cute point. That's a cute point. Uh, you know, it, I it, nothing's accomplished here. It just comes across to Americans as more bickering. Yeah. But for people that, we, for, so there is there is there is like some there is some infighting happening with the Democrats. You got oh, yeah. your, you got your you got your Sanders and your and your the progressive you know, Demis Warrens and and, the, and then yeah. you got your Pelosi's and your others and uh, you know, I think uh, this just gave her a lot more momentum, as the case may be. Uh, I, I guess we you know why don't we. Why don't we take a pause before we go too much further and also talk about the uh, – what's her name? Debbie? DeVos, the uh, the education uh, secretary. I, no? Oh, God. Don't
2: get me started.
0: I, yeah. You know what? Well, we're kind of talking about the session hearing The whole DeVos kind of thing. thing, you know. DeVos. Yeah. Betsy. She has, Betsy DeVos. She has, now, That's what it
2: was. Depending on who you talk to, you talk uh, – you know, I got Republican friends. I got Democratic friends. I got people that don't really have a party. Yeah. The Republican friends say, look, yeah, we agree. Let's see the- – L- look, listen. Look, <laughs> she does not have experience. We right. know that. Yeah. We get that. But the educational system, as it is, in our opinion, isn't working very well. So, you know what? Let's put her in there. You know, Trump didn't have pol- you, know, p- you know politics experience <laughs> either. <laughs> all right. Well, right. I looked into this a little the, bit. Yeah, uh, yeah, so I did
0: a little research on past picks and all that stuff. So let's set this thing up here. Uh, let's get this ship started. <laughs> This was interesting how she got in, too. We should talk about that before we go further.
24: The nays are 50. The Senate being equally divided. The vice president votes in the affirmative, and the nomination is confirmed.
0: So the vice president breaks the tie, and this is nearly historic. They're calling it historic. It's nearly historic because he— he is only number two in this early in at, for breaking a tie. There is one other vice president that that beat him, and I'm, I'm forgetting whose it was at this time. But it's damn, it's damn unusual. But first for a uh, uh, cabinet appointee. Yes, though. yes, yes. Uh, so here, so this is the tiebreaker. So now she's officially, she's officially in. She's in. And there was a big protest Senate against Democrats her.
7: Launched an all night blitz against Education Secretary nominee Betsy DeVos. A confirmation vote is scheduled for noon Eastern Time today, and at least one Democratic senator hopes that a third Republican senator may cross party lines and vote against DeVos. Which- that
0: was, of course, before the uh, the tie-breaking vote. So I thought we'd uh, we'd cover uh, this. Is uh, Senator Coon- Chris Coons on why he voted for uh,
11: Betsy? Here's the who just voted. Uh, the Senator Chris Coons from the beautiful state of Delaware, Democrat, just voted no. I'm sorry, no. View, uh, I didn't to mean to say he voted. for him. Uh, <laughs> okay. Why no, Senator?
20: Well, Neil, um, I listened to the confirmation hearing of Betsy DeVos, and in my view, she just didn't have the experience, the background, the insight. Um, She's not in the mainstream uh, of American education policy, Uh, and she frankly flunked the test of being able to identify uh, core issues in federal education policy.
0: Yeah, she um, she's. She hasn't contributed like a ton of money to any individual uh, senator, but she is definitely uh, Republican royalty. She overall has donated $20 million to the Republican Party. So this probably put her on the short list. Right. And uh, that's my core issue with her is that's why she was chosen. Yeah. Now I, –
2: I, I'm with you. I, I think
0: – Here's, the, uh, now here's the, 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 most, the most often argument I've heard against her is I think what he's about to address next.
20: For example, she had no idea what the IDEA was, which is the federal statute that protects children with disabilities and makes sure that they get access to high-quality education. Uh, she couldn't identify the difference between um, growth um, and proficiency, which are core ideas uh, in how we measure progress in education. That's concerning. Uh, and the agenda that she pursued in Michigan Uh, providing taxpayers uh, access uh, to taxpayer funding through vouchers uh, to uh, derail funding from the traditional public schools and send it to private or parochial schools without accountability um, struck me as uh, the sort of stand that I'm surprised Republicans uh, would ever support. So
0: she's a charter school fan. She's a big charter schools fan. Um, But, you know, the last two, I just and I I just looked at the last two that Obama put in. were also big charter school fans. So that's not a that criticism while is concerning for some is
2: you could also apply it to the last two educational sectors so are we going to see the privatization of our educational system
0: <laughs> i don't know you know as a as a father with two in in
2: the public school system now i would lo- now, love to hear what you think yeah you got the kids man uh some of
0: the most disappointing moments in my life are realizing how the limitations of the school system will be un will will, will leave the school system unequipped To really fully train and teach my children in a way that they are capable of learning and I think that's probably true for every parent because the problem with school is it is a one solution applies to all of the students and each little human being is different in how they learn and what their attention span was. You know, uh, so my son has had teachers that, that swear he has ADHD and he needs to be medicated. And he should be, you know, uh, he should he should go see a doctor. And then I have we've had other teachers that think he's a great little kid. He's and he, he's he's no problem at all. And it really depends on how the teacher interacts with them, how they how they work with students in different situations. And the, and there's really very there's becoming less and less flexibility, and there's becoming more and more labeling. And once a child gets labeled by the school system, there's like these these pathways that form for them. And now all of a sudden, that student's education is on rails because they've been labeled as this thing and. Only these things are done for these children and they're treated in this way and the whole system is is very inflexible and I, I, I don't – it really, really makes me wish I had the time to homeschool and I had the capability to homeschool because it's so – the public school system is so frustrating, so awful and so ill-equipped to really make our children – to really make – to take advantage of the potential of all of our children and you, know, you look at how – Bad, our school scores are compared to the rest of the world, and I think it's really because we don't tap into our children's natural learning capabilities. And like, you know, when they have too much energy, and so uh, you know, in some like countries, taking away
2: recess and those kind like, of things.
0: Yeah. In like New Zealand and Iceland, if you have if you have a student that is exhibiting ADHD, like high energy, like symptoms, you know what they have them do? They have them go take a run. They have them go for a run, and then and and they don't medicate them. They have them go for a run around the building. What a concept! And it's just something we can't even consider here. That's just too ridiculous here.
2: Yeah, it's it's like we don't study and look at different things. It's like sometimes I feel like parents are not really listened to when it comes to their kids' education. Like they don't really have a voice. And I know there's parent-teachers associations and things like that. But I feel like it, even those get too political. Yeah. You get cold, Chase? You yeah, I'm just cold? getting a little cold. <laughs> it's because you're drinking ice water, too.
0: Uh, Chase putting on the rain jacket over there. (laughs) Uh, Fair enough. All right, well, let's warm it up with a little travel ban discussion. There was, uh, after we got off the air on Friday, there was some big breaking news coming right out of Washington
17: about the travel ban. That's right.
14: This is CNN Breaking
21: News. Yeah!
17: And here's the breaking news on a Friday night. A federal judge temporarily
21: halting President Trump's travel ban nationwide. This is CNN Tonight. I'm Don Lemon. The ruling coming in Washington state where Attorney General Bob Ferguson says tonight, quote,
13: no one is above the law, not even (laughs) the president. It follows a week of protests at airports and across (laughs) the country. But tonight's ruling throws the nation's immigration system into
24: chaos. Again. I think That's a limited- great
2: score by the way I, That is epic I know,
0: they're really pumped They were really pumped about that news They are rolling it out Here's a little more about that Around
24: the country, President Trump was sounding like the new sheriff in town Okay Confident that a U.S. appellate court will put his executive order Banning travel from seven majority Muslim countries Previously identified as countries of concern Back in action
12: It's common sense You know, some things are law And I'm all in favor of that Some things are common sense This is common sense
24: I grant it. Ever since a federal judge slapped a temporary restraining order on the executive order, the president has been amping up his rhetoric, tweeting, the threat from radical Islamic terrorism is very real. Just look at what is happening rhetoric. in Europe and the Middle East.
0: I know I think I've ever heard them say anything Obama tweeted was rhetoric or or even when he was out there saying you can keep your doctor. They weren't even
24: calling that rhetoric. Right. Courts must act fast president said he's willing to take his case all the way to the supreme court.
12: Oh, we're going to take it through the system. it's very important it's very important for the country uh, regardless of me or whoever succeeds at a later date. one of the pres-
0: now, that was kind of an interesting uh, we're going to take it all the way through the system we'll take it all the way
2: well it's not his decision to make by the way yeah. i mean <laughs> i well, mean yeah they can right. appeal and then the supreme court may say and eh, we don't want to <laughs> you know <they'll laughs> redirect it uh, also in the recent press conferences the media freaked out
0: when trump said that they've been undercovering terror attacks the president's main arguments
24: is that the public isn't getting the real story on the terror threat from the news media
12: it's gotten to a point where it's not even being reported And in many cases, the very, very dishonest press doesn't want to report it. They have their reasons, and you understand that. What would those reasons be, do you suppose? Uh, Maybe are they? Uh, I, I'm
2: not sure. I, they one.
0: love a good terrorism yeah, story.
2: They usually lead that,
0: and unless they unless there's been a unless a plane is missing. Then a, then you know <laughs> then you got to derail everything. <laughs> no, that's wall to wall. Yeah, at that yeah. point. There, yeah. We do a little bit of that too. Yeah, or you know. And now look at this. They, everything CNN does now, they have a stupid countdown on there. You see that stupid countdown? <laughs> um, so th- I read this list. I have it linked in the show notes too. So the Trump administration put out a list, uh, which this report's about to mock a little bit. And we've also covered these terrorists terrorist attacks i i will say the the media is is what the media is going to go after them for is a handful of those attacks they they were they were very covered they were hyper covered right. yes and so it's super easy for the media to say well look our coverage is here here's our, the new york times i have all this linked uh you know here's all of our stories on the terrorist attacks however there's about 45 attacks or so on this list that I don't see any reporting on there. There is legitimately some attacks on this list that were very underreported, probably just simply because it wasn't well, a big story, I, or, I or
2: there's not a lot of information to to, to glean from it either. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's possible. It, all it really
0: takes is for the media to have something slightly shinier to report on, and uh, and a minor terrorist attack. I don't mean to call
2: it that, but it's that's how they view it. I mean, it's, you look it's at, a production thing. I mean, well, you look at the violence that happens in Chicago, for example, and you know the number of murders right. that happen over a typical weekend. Okay. Sometimes those unfortunate kill counts are higher than what you would have in a terrorist attack that may have happened somewhere.
12: Understand that.
24: To back up that false claim that the media is not reporting on false claim terrorism, the White House released a list of 78 terror attacks since late 2014. age to the president claimed the media downplayed most of those terrorist acts. But not only does the list contain numerous misspellings. I think it's kind of funny
0: that they're calling that
24: out. It includes recent high profile attacks in yeah, Paris. You know,
0: it's. It is uh, it is it is a list that you can kind of look at. You can go Google the names. Yeah, some of this gets reports. Almost all of it's got a story, one or two. Right.
24: San Bernardino, California. The mass shooting at the Orlando nightclub and the truck attack in Nice, France. <laughs> Acts of terrorism that were covered extensively by the news media. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer tried this explanation. He was making a point
1: as to the exposure that attacks get and i think that that's what he was getting at is that we see these things and it's and and they're becoming too prevalent and that's why i think he wants to become ever vigilant to make sure that we don't ever get lax
0: <laughs> yeah that's right that's right that's right <laughs> i i have a suspicion uh i if trump hadn't won the presidency i wouldn't think he was this clever but i he won and he beat hillary clinton that takes some skill i think he knows one of the things I noticed during the entire lead up to the to the uh, general election and then during the general election is he is really good at setting the media's agenda of what they're going to talk about. He's really Fact. good at that.
24: Yeah. But asked about his claim that the press is downplaying terror. The president didn't back down.
12: I understand the total dishonesty of the media better than anybody. And I let people know it. I mean, the media is a very very uh, dishonest arm he's intentionally reiterating this to them right now he is speaking (laughs) to them he is feeding them a line this is called baiting and we'll see what happens not everybody and i have to say that i always preface it by saying not everybody but there's tremendous dishonesty pure outright dishonesty from the media
24: Great One talk. Republican He's lawmaker President who's close Trump to the White House, Congressman Trump. Sean Duffy, told CNN the media are being played. Of
21: well, course, I think you're playing right into his hand. In that broader conversation, um, you're now airing on your network um, the greatest hits over the last couple of years of, um, of terror attacks. So-
20: exactly. In other words, we are taking the bait.
21: You are. Well yep. done. I think that's exactly what's happening. I think that's exactly
0: what's happening.
2: Wow! And they're just
0: going now. Th- they're you rattling are. off a list all the time to prove Trump's point about why a travel ban is necessary. Like,
2: like Tapper's uh, clip earlier.
0: They're they're essentially yep. freaking the public out. They're yep. amping it all up right yep. now. It's uh, it's I don't know. Did you hear this report about apparently this call between Australia?
14: Yes, Uh, the uh, Prime Minister, yes, yes, uh. yes, of course. Sources telling CNN that Trump's phone call Saturday with Australia's Prime Minister, a close ally, got heated. In the call, Trump questioned a deal to take in asylum seekers, the leak pushing the Prime Minister into a corner.
22: I've seen that report, uh, and I'm not going to comment on the conversation. The President assured me that he would uh, continue with uh, honour the uh, agreement.
14: The agreement, signed under President Obama, allowed more than 1,200 asylum seekers stuck on Nauru and Manus Islands to be relocated into the U.S. Human rights groups have called the conditions in the Australian-run detention centers appalling. One Iranian asylum seeker telling CNN, we are not toys to play with, but the deal grates with Trump's ban on refugees. And sources say Trump complained on the call that the asylum seekers, some already going through strict vetting, could be the next Boston bomber. Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. Prime Minister, good afternoon. Hey, great, Ben. Good to be with you. Is it really great? Turnbull went on talk radio to insist the deal was done after some Trump- Twitter diplomacy. Donald Trump says, do you believe it? The Obama administration agreed to take thousands of illegal immigrants from Australia. Why? I will study this dumb deal. <laughs> well, that's,
24: that that's is that is his tweet. I'm telling you <laughs> what has been said to us uh, and what's been said by his spokesman mm. and what has been said by his embassy.
0: I think, I think the, the most fascinating aspect of this story is the details of these calls keep leaking out. Yeah, that's true. That's a big story. Right. I would like to know why the details of these calls keep coming out because this is not a normal thing.
2: Because I I, I think everybody's starting to get on this bandwagon of trying to fight the the words of what is being said, right, and get to the truth, whatever that truth may be, and people are tired of – Tweets that may not be entirely accurate, statements that not be accurate but it by seems Spicer. Like when I mean, start, it, it goes all the way around. But
0: it seems like when you start deriving all of this reporting about the contents of the phone call based on leaks, you are just playing into that problem. You're oh, absolutely. You're
2: making it worse. Right, right. Because so, so, I
0: think it, these leaks must be representative of a bigger problem in the Trump administration. Oh
2: Well, I, I was reading an article the other day about how a lot of the people that work in within the administration, they just it's not enjoyable. They don't have any trust for them or confidence. <laughs>
7: Welcome back. President Trump this morning tweeted something rather cryptic. Quote, I call my own shots, largely based on accumulation of data, and everyone knows it. Some fake news media, in order to marginalize, lies. So why the need to remind everyone he's the boss? Maybe, just maybe, this magazine cover had something to do with it. Top eight Stephen Bannon dubbed... The great manipulator. What did I say last week? (laughs) Last week
0: I said the media is going to portray Trump as a puppet to Bannon. And then this Time
7: magazine cover comes out and it's been stories like this. By time. Or maybe, maybe this Saturday Night Live skit struck a nerve.
2: Well, Mr. Trump, thank you
7: for still accepting I'm going
0: to jump ahead so we don't get pulled down, but Bannon is the <laughs> Grim Reaper telling Trump that, no, no, these are your ideas, these are your
7: ideas. So aid seeps his way into pop culture like Saturday Night Live. But whose plan? Your plan? My plan? Uh, why is the president tweeting this morning that he's in charge? Don't, do we have any doubt? <laughs>
0: so this is an interesting discussion that's happening. What's going on here? Some people say, well, you have the establishment with Rance, and then you have the, the new wing with Bannon, and they're they're fighting. It's infighting, and the way that they're fighting with each other is by getting attention in the media because that's how you get Trump's attention. Mm-hmm. That could be a little bit could of what's be. going on. Yeah. I think, though, anybody who doesn't think Donald Trump is the one in charge, I think you're mistaken. Donald Trump is definitely the man in charge. He may not be fully read on everything. But I think he's the man in charge.
21: They're still pushing this story. Which, oh, oh, the Bannon story. What have, yeah. we, what have we said here from day one about Donald Trump? Everybody goes, Oh, what's Donald Trump's management style? What have we said? Well, he's
16: the last person in the room. Leaves it's everyone guessing. It's Donald Trump. You have no it's idea what's going to happen tomorrow. It's not all these
21: other people. And this Time magazine cover that they put out last week. I mean, Donnie, the, he runs he, the place. You've what's done this. You've done this a lot. This is why is it? Like, we know Trump. Right. Trump runs the White House. Let me, let me explain. Steve Bannon doesn't run the White okay. House. Let me tell you. Now, you don't, you they do
0: make, they're about to make a good point here, is you don't accidentally end up on the, on the cover of Time magazine. There, it's very unlikely that Steve Bannon didn't know this was coming. Correct. So I, maybe he I, didn't know the byline. Though. My thesis last week was that uh, that the media was going to build up this image of Steve Bannon as the great puppeteer. Now they're calling him the great manipulator here, which is interesting because that was pretty close to what I thought they were going to build him up as. I had no idea about this Time magazine cover at the, at, during our last show. No, so I don't know if I don't know if Steve Bannon participated in this or not. But these guys who would probably be in a better position to know, specifically the guy that's about to talk, uh, because he's worked in this business, um, specifically the publicity business um <clears> that you don't you you generally have to be fairly involved w- with with the time magazine when you're at when you're getting on the on the cover like this you know you have to get photographed you have to you have to give they, they run things by you like it doesn't you don't just fall on the cover you don't just become the main subject of the time magazine accidentally out of nowhere
21: what this time magazine cover says it. okay first of all i've known trump 20 years nobody's bashed him more than i do the one thing the guy is he, to the point he's autocratic he's a decision maker this story is not about trump he's in charge yes this story Always. is not about bannon being
15: the puppeteer
24: listen
21: he I've, I've been around the press business steve Bannon is probably talking to the press and leaking more things than anybody in the history of war. He is a Steve Bannon no, 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 promoter, no, no. not a Donald Trump. A lot of Trump. these
16: reporters are saying multiple sources say no, Bannon No, 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 listen, listen to me.
21: Listen to me. What Bannon is in charge of, obviously, is promoting Bannon. If I'm Donald Trump, OK, and I'm wondering where stuff is coming out of the White House. The fact that he ended up on the cover of Time magazine, that doesn't but happen Donnie, like you can a trace, week and a half in. You can in.
16: trace the executive order and all sorts of things okay, but I'm not to s- things that Bannon okay, was I'm not saying he has not Look,
21: Trump's but got kind of to learn his open. way around. He could be signing paperwork that he doesn't know what he's signing. But at the end of the day, Steve Bannon, more than anything else is in the business of promoting Steve Bannon. You don't.
0: I wonder if that's what's happening. I wonder mm. if that's what's going on with all this Bannon stuff. Very, is a,
2: very, very possible. Maybe it's Steve Bannon. Yeah. Doing yeah. <laughs> it. Right. It could be
0: interesting. Let's. Um, so let's talk about uh, before we go too much further from Trump, the other side of of the side of the fence. The left side is really kind of failing at the leadership level with the current leadership to really sort of assemble a proper response so far, which is interesting because if you look at it, like they still haven't overturned Obamacare. There's still key things like the Democrats have very valuable time that they are just wasting right now. Elizabeth Warren's getting some traction, but the other traditional leaders of the Democratic Party are really screwing up. Case in point, Nancy Pelosi is probably – she probably – Probably needs to be taken out of office.
18: Complete evidence. There's practice. We've seen nothing that we can work. But I can work with President Bush on. And I'm what? 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 Who? So she who? says
0: just weeks after the inauguration.
18: Complete evidence. There's practice. We've seen nothing that we can work. But I can work with President Bush on. And I'm disappointed because I
0: now you see the people watch watch the gal behind her. Uh oh, watch it. What? Her. I thought,
18: that's, Did she just say Bush? There might be some interest because of what yeah, she said. Bush.
0: Yeah, Bush. Yeah, so Nancy Pelosi is calling Donald Trump Bush, which is a little discouraging. Kind of makes you wonder how cognizant her argument might be about his economic impacts. But then the gal behind her, Maxine Waters, steps up and really doesn't seal the deal. Uh, makes it
17: way Last worse. you said your greatest desire is to lead uh, Donald Trump right into impeachment.
0: So they're already declaring, and Maxine Waters is leading the charge, we're going to impeach Trump. Wow. Which, when you just do that right out of the gate, makes you sound like a lunatic.
17: I'm wondering why is it appropriate to call for the impeachment of the president less than a month after him taking office?
23: I have not called for the impeachment yet. He's doing it himself.
0: Oh, now she's going to tell you how he's doing it. Are you ready? Oh, boy. She's
23: got a list. Um, Let me just say that the statement I made was a statement in response to questions uh, and pleas that I'm getting from many citizens across this country.
0: I think both Nancy Pelosi and her may, may have dementia or some, or you know.
23: What are we going to do? How can a president... Uh, who is acting in the manner that he's acting, whether he's talking about the travel ban, the way that he's targeting Muslims, Muslim. or whether he's talking about his relationship to Putin and the Kremlin, and knowing that they have hacked our um, DCCC and uh-huh. uh, DNC. Okay. And um, knowing that yeah. uh, he is responsible for supplying the bombs uh, that killed innocent children and families. in um,
0: What? Is she talking about when we bombed Doctors Without Borders?
2: I, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Question
23: mark? In, um, yeah, in Aleppo. And the fact that uh, he is wrapping his arms around Putin uh, while uh, Putin is continuing uh, to advance uh, into Korea? What?
2: I think she meant to say Crimea, maybe.
0: <laughs> Did you, and look the way she looks around, like, right? This, that, that's it, right? And yeah, cr- uh, Korea,
23: right? And Korea. Uh, Yeah. I think that. Somebody in the background said, yeah. "Yeah." Oh. uh, Into Korea. Uh, I think that he is leading himself into that kind of position.
0: Yeah, so impeachment. Yeah, that's. Okay, all right,
23: okay, all right, all right. Okay, very good, very good. Yeah. Mr. Chase,
0: before we get into the high note, let's take a moment and thank our patrons over at patreon.com slash unfilter. That's right. Thank you, you guys, for supporting the show. We've had some uh, fall-offs from the month changeover, and probably because some of you hate us. So <laughs> if you want to jump in and support the show, it would be a great week, to, great week. A boost to morale over here for the Unfilter crew if you jumped in at patreon.com slash on Filter, and uh, if you want, you can check out the different pledge levels. We've got the $2 level, then we got the higher levels that get you access to things like Supporter saying past private posts, additional goodies, and then at the very high end of the tier, we have Club 33, which
2: gets your note in Mr. Chase's Sack! That's right!
10: Yes!
2: It's time again for the Appeals Court edition of Chase's Sack. That's right. You know, I was thinking about doing a show, you know, Chris. I could sit up at the Top of the judge stand there, and you could be the bailiff, right? And we'll have cases. Totally, make it great. The Appeals Court edition. All right, here we go. So I asked you guys, you know, hey, what do you think about this executive order in the Appeals Court? There could be a decision any day now. But up, up, will be overturned. Will be kept in place. we Will be kicked around. Let me know what's on your mind. Also, thanks to your guys's feedback, we have moved. If you noticed, the Patreon segment now towards the end of the show, right before. The The high high note. note. And then, of course, the overtime. That's right. So, first message comes in today from Goal Rug. I love it. And he says, hey, I feel like Unfilter is now more important than ever uh, to leave a record. That's why I took the chance to snag the last club 33 slot. Oh, very nice. nice. To that end, what is the state of the supporter sink? I had it stuck on an old episode for a while. Just restarted it now, and I see a folder for the last episode. Right on. How is the migration to Librivault going? Well, what we did, no, oh, go
0: ahead. Oh, okay, so we uh, we tested it with a handful of very nice listeners, semi-recently, and we still have an issue when anybody is on a Windows box when our source material is coming from a Linux box. And uh, I honestly, as soon as I run into a bump, I just sort of stop and think. I need to come up with something else, something better. Like, what if we? What if we just eventually one day? Just said, self, and then self, write a note to Chase. And then one day I wrote down this note. I said, Chase, I have an idea. What if off air we talked about setting a Patreon goal where we just opened up the supporter sync to everybody? Now, I'm not sure if that's a good idea or not. Maybe it's worth keeping it exclusive. But here's why I say this. Because at the end of the day, I really think what we should do is have it up on a web page where you can just go to a website and just just grab what you want. I
2: know a good website that you could use. Like, I love filterfree.me, right?
0: Sure, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love though. I do also love the idea of the thing I like about LibreVault is it's a self-sustaining CDN that would sort of live on beyond a website, beyond a DNS registration, beyond right. like a CMS that needs updated. Yes. it would as long as the audience kept the sync alive, it would always keep going. So there, I'm I'm not really sold on one way or the other. And plus, I like the idea of keeping it exclusive for the patrons because. That that Those clips are just such a, a metric S-ton of work that it does seem I, like only our most passionate fans should have access I, to it. I don't
2: mind unlocking it for, like you said, set a Patreon goal yeah. for it. Um, set like, some, some milestone. Now, here's the danger with that. And I ran into this with my own Patreon, the Minecraft thing. And that is, you reach the goal, right? And then what happens is, what if you lose a whole bunch of uh, patrons and it drops behind that goal? Mm, yeah. And, and then you've already
0: put it all out there. Right, exactly.
2: And Then it's too late, you've seen everything. Right. Well, and you can't pull it back. That's just me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's
0: tough. I, I I here's the other thing is the supporter sync as it stands now is underutilized and it's such an awesome resource. And like I think once you get the supporter sync, you're like, holy crap, this is awesome. And it's it's worth having, and I want more people to have it. Right. Because a lot of the a lot of the feedback I got once I was testing with people is holy crap, this is awesome. And so, what we have right now, and you go back in the back catalog of Patreon exclusive posts, is we have a BitTorrent sync system that's using BitTorrent sync because it's it's been the most reliable. But we want to move off of it and move to something that's free, uh, because I you know I I don't want you to have to like pay for more storage or something Correct. like that to support yeah. the show. Uh, another thing, another idea I had, and then we'll move on. I'm just putting all these out there to get maybe the patrons' feedback because it's really their choice. Uh, is like some sort of offloading to Archive.org. Ah, yeah. Because archive.org would generate torrents, it would be a long-term storage, right. it would make it HTTP accessible, yeah. I just don't know a way of really automating it, because what it is, it's just a ton of MP4 files in a, in a file system file structure.
2: Right with crazy titles, sometimes with Maybe cursing. Maybe we, uh, we'll set up a poll and see what the patrons say. We always say, say that. <laughs> <All> <laughs> no, right. I did pull. I, poll, oh, all right, all I right. did poll Club 33 all about right, this. Right. Yeah, that's true.
19: I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. Yeah. Let's go. Fair enough. Let's go. Anyway, and he said also, would it be
2: possible to add the show notes as markdown files for every episode? Anyway... Even though the archive has gotten pretty big, I really like it. Plus, I just upgraded my storage. Oh. It can be quite interesting browsing through old episodes yeah. and remembering what has happened back then. Yeah. One last question. I can't remember the name of the document uh, documentation that has politicians talking on an open mic, and I have been meaning to watch that for a while now. I don't know
0: what he's referring to there.
2: Yeah. On whether to read the message in the middle of your end, if it's causing spoilers, maybe it's best to put it at the end. Thanks for the good show and keep it up. Tom writes and says, hey, Chris and Chase, it seems like people are conflating two very different issues, whether Trump should have imposed the ban and whether Trump can impose the ban. Mm. The court's only job is to decide if Trump can impose the ban. Not if he should. Right. Right. Using the courts to dictate if a president should have done something is a dangerous precedent. Based on existing laws, precedent, etc. I don't see how the ban could be ruled unlawful. There are really yeah. only two things differentiating Trump's ban from previous bans. The scope, the number of countries affected, and the haphazard treatment of existing green card holders. The only reasonable change I could see coming from this case is an introduction of due process for green card holders. For example, giving green card holders a responsible, or excuse me, a reasonable amount of is time that, Is to leave the country. Is that Tom? That is Tom. It's
0: Tom, that's exactly my take
2: right. on right And now. I was talking about it last week. They didn't even think about. It. They didn't plan this out, and a lot of people that are valid residents got screwed on this yeah. too.
0: Yeah, um, but I, it does seem like, uh, well, just based on just based on how they've talked about it, I think they did their legal research.
2: Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see what the uh, the court of appeal, uh, district court of appeals, ninth uh, Ninth Circuit. Indeed, Verituna says, "Hey, won't be able to make it to the live show. We'll have to download it later. But I want to know what your take is on John Perkow's position that he would not allow the President, by the way, he's the Speaker of the House in the UK Parliament, uh, that would not allow the President of the United States, Trump, to speak to either of the government assembly to quote, before the imposition of the migrant ban, I would myself have strongly opposed to an address by President Trump in Westminster Hall. After the imposition of a migrant ban by President Trump, uh, actually, he repeated himself, sorry about that, he goes, talk about Larry, neoliberalism. is not the job of the speaker to criticize other countries' leaders because if it was, then perhaps he would not have allowed both the premier of China and of India, both who have been dubious human rights records, to address them. One might suspect that anti-American bias may be not showing. Now, now to be fair, I, I do follow UK Parliament. I think it's great. I, I like watching it from time to time. And uh, he's right. I mean, the speaker's place in UK structure is is like a referee. They don't really say opinions and stuff. They they actually, when they vote this guy in, they want to make sure he's truly nonpartisan. So it's interesting that he... He spoke up about that. He goes, hey, Trump's victory, making him choke, talking about that, talk about a bloody nose on all of the establishment. That's from Veratunda. Thank you, Veritunda. Hey, if you guys want to jump into my sack, you can actually sign up for a waiting list right now on patreon.com slash unfiltered. You just click that yeah. link there under you club know, if 33, I start to and you'll some be there, I'll ask Ang, like, what can we do about
0: opening that up more and. Because, you know, we all, that also gets you swags so that cost right, us something. But,
2: very cool Unfilter mouse pads that just recently went out and other cool goodies that come out as well. Thank you,
0: patrons. Patreon.com slash Unfilter. Thank you, everybody, who supports at every single yes. level. And when we can, when YouTube allows, I try to post the full live stream of Unfilter up on the Patreon page for anybody, even if you're just uh, hanging out for free, at the hope that maybe one day you'll jump in and support the show. We could definitely use it this week because uh, it was not a good week for us. But we're still out there working hard and we hope – I hope that as we transition now from the phase of time where everyone is losing their shit about what Trump might be doing and we get to talk about what Trump is doing, you'll see that your unfiltered show is still taking the same critical look at the actions that are happening. We just – What you've been hearing over the last few weeks is the sound sound of us not losing our shit over every little thing that everyone else is freaking out about. But what we are here to do is break down what the hell is actually happening when it is a bad idea, how it plays into the U.S.'s role in the world overall, and especially when we're taking actions over in the Middle East, how that is being shaped, how that is being messaged here in the U.S. And at the end of the day. We're going to maintain a people's document about what is happening here. And this show is a living document. Every single week we come back and we record a little bit more of the record. And, you know, you think about it now, it's probably too soon. But eventually, in maybe six months or something like that, you could go back and watch some of the key moments – of the 2016 election, like key moments when massive Hillary emails dropped and what the big hoopla was back then. Because now with some distance, the details be- begin to fade a bit. Right. But your unfiltered show was here documented. And if we get it wrong and you tell us we've got it wrong, we'll try to get it right. Absolutely. We have no reason to do otherwise. No. So if you if you get behind that idea and have enjoyed the show – We'd really appreciate your
2: support. Are you saying, Chris, that we don't really have an agenda? You might say. You might say that. that. All All right.
0: right. Let's get into what I think is one of the most fascinating developing stories in the U.S. right now, and that is the slow legalization, state by state, of cannabis. And uh, with that – Different states are taking different approaches or they're legalizing it in different ways. Some go medical only. Some go full adult rec, right. as they like to call it. And California has been one of the places very early on that legalized medical and is is not really well positioned to regulate something as big as recreational. And there was a study that was done recently that shows that the lack of regulation may actually be bad for consumers of marijuana in California. And the reason why I want to play this is because you and I often bemoan about the amount of regulation and taxes that Washington decided to impose on the cannabis industry, which we have been concerned might just encourage the black market to still have a healthy – this is the other side of the coin When there's no regulation This is what you get
9: KPIX5 has learned Some pot from Bay Area dispensaries Contains a powerful pesticide So toxic Even the tobacco companies
0: Won't touch it Only on 5 tonight Wilson Wall I like that comparison Even the tobacco companies They won't even touch it <laughs> and they're the worst They're terrible Now could you imagine Being working here For this local uh, CBS affiliate uh, KPIX5 San Francisco And yeah. uh, you get the job To go out there and test pot listen to the, think of, just picture that from them when you hear this kid reporter uh, covering the story puts local pot to
9: the
15: test
19: on you the cannot L5. tell by looking at your cannabis whether it's contaminated with pesticides, residual solvents, molds. Want
3: to know exactly what's in your marijuana?
19: This particular instrument here is a liquid
3: chromatograph. Just ask the team at Steep Hill Labs.
22: And we see that cannabis that comes to the lab is often would have to be destroyed in other states, and that's because states like Oregon, Washington,
3: Massachusetts, and Colorado have either set limits on or banned certain pesticides for use on marijuana. And tonight. We're going to focus on just one of them. But yeah,
19: so myclobutanil is is a fungicide. It's for uh, mildew, molds and mildew.
3: Myclobutanil, often sold under the name Eagle 20, is approved for use on things like grapes and hops because if you happen to eat some of it, it's considered harmless.
0: Yeah, it's no big deal if you eat it. Now, (laughs) turns out if you light it on fire, it gets weaponized.
3: But if you set fire... To my if you smoke it, if you heat it, it actually
19: can produce a substance called hydrogen cyanide. Hydrogen cyanide is
3: very toxic to humans. That's exactly why the federal government prohibits the use of Eagle 20 on tobacco. But remember, California currently has no such pesticide
22: rules when it comes to medical marijuana. So, yeah, people have an expectation that the, the stuff that they get at dispensaries is going to be safe and clean and, and well tested. And, but the fact of the matter is that this is an unregulated environment.
3: So how much Eagle 20 might you find on California's medical marijuana? Well, we purchased samples from five different Bay Area dispensaries.
0: I thought that was an interesting approach. And remember, uh, I just this this is just a guy who has a job who got this as an assignment. They're like, go cover yeah. the pot. He go, he's like, so we got it from the dispensaries, and then we went and bought it on the street.
3: Since not everyone gets their marijuana from a dispensary, we also arranged for the acquisition of some marijuana sold on the street. Some.
0: Some. It turns out it's like a lot that they bought off the street, but we'll get to that later.
19: And we
3: sent it all off to the lab. Only one of those six had no detectable pesticides. That's right, just one clean dispensary sample while three more had enough pesticide traces to make them test failures in Massachusetts or Nevada. Now our black market sample, it failed on nine different pesticide tests. That's
19: somewhat unusual to have that many hits on one sample.
3: But if you're thinking the street weed was the dirtiest, guess again, because our last dispensary sample, a product sold as medicine, was far and away the most contaminated, with microbutanil levels at more than 13 times the amount allowable under Oregon law. The main ingredient, microbutanil, of Eagle 20. But now the clock is ticking for California to come up with its own safety standards. What pesticides will be allowed? At what levels? And how will it all be tested for safe consumption?
22: There hasn't been the level of rigor applied to the industry that's, that's coming down the pike. Because
3: as of now, most of California's marijuana is being grown. Own, no questions asked, and the result is plenty of products you would probably rather not smoke.
0: So I don't know. I just a little, a little wow. uh, public service announcement for our uh, listeners in, in the uh, Bay Area. Yeah, there. yeah. And I, I looked to see if that was like a scare, scare story. If it was legit, it, and I found other sources that confirmed the research. Uh, a university down there also did a study on this show. And this yeah, I wrote a
2: post about that too on Reddit about that. Same thing. Really? Know? Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I guess that could be a thing, you know, and it's definitely, if, if, whenever
2: you're putting something in your body like that, I wonder if- Well, I wonder the worst if, thing is you don't even know, and that's the worst part yeah. is people don't even know. I
0: wonder if, because vaping doesn't technically combust, I wonder if it causes the same level of harm. Hmm. Uh, then I thought uh, this was kind of an interesting story here. There was a, a THC fair. Did you hear about this? No. Yeah.
18: The Kern County Fairgrounds has some Green Thumb visitors this weekend. 17's Daniel Tran has more on the Hemp and Cannabis Fair.
2: The Kern County Fairgrounds were a little greener today. From pipes to plants, the exhibition hall was filled from wall to wall with everything you need to explore the new legal world of marijuana in California.
25: I can't even tell you the excitement for us, for people our age and everything that have smoked since the 60s and 70s. Uh, this is just fantastic.
2: (laughs) Local dispensaries were also (laughs) present to advertise
17: their products. Julian Vega of vegabuds.com offers a delivery service of his products to clients and says it's a sign that opinions are shifting.
19: I think it's awesome that people are uh,
7: opening up to this and actually seeing that there is some people that are needing it for medicinal purposes, but it also is a recreational purpose as well. Although Prop 64 passed in California,
2: more than half of Kern County voters were against the use of recreational marijuana. So there's also
0: some development in another state about some possible medical marijuana plans
24: developing. Could Wisconsin be the next state to legalize medical marijuana? It looks like it might be, Chase. Democratic right.
15: lawmakers introduced two pieces of legislation in Madison today, and they are calling on Republican leaders to act quickly. Courtney Garrett joins us in the studio to explain why. Shannon and Charles, this legislation would authorize a non-binding statewide referendum on legalizing medical marijuana, meaning if this legislation passes... In the House and Senate, people in Wisconsin would get the chance to weigh in on the issue. An advisory referendum would appear on the ballot of a general election. Voters would be asked whether Wisconsin should allow for the
0: use of and safe access to medical marijuana. Local news, Chase, is
2: best news. It's going to be very interesting to see what Sessions does now he's our new attorney general.
0: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Your unfiltered
2: show will be watching. Absolutely. Well, the main show may be
0: over, but the overtime segment is Coming Still up. coming up. That's and right. we got some good, good stuff in there. In the meantime, though, Chase, people got to take off. We understand. Life yes. is busy. That's why Life we do it this busy. way.
2: Where can they find you throughout the week? I would love people to engage with me on Twitter at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S. <gasps> and if you're a guy or a gal out there that loves the gaming thing, Hey-o. follow me over on Twitch, twitch.tv slash TV. Now, Ooh. Chris, your vlogs are awesome. You love doing the drone footage. Who, me? Adventures with Dia. Lots of great things <laughs> Yeah Where can people find out What's going on with you? Why not head over
0: to YouTube.com Slash Chris Fisher That's my name Or follow me on the Twitters At Chris L S. Follow the network on the Twitters At the Jupiter Signal Nope, no the Just at Jupiter Signal right. And get involved with the show Submit stories or clips If there's a news item You didn't hear us cover Why not submit it To unfiltered.reddit.com More stories too And last but not least I'll give one more pluggy plug For the show notes Lots of additional links and references to stuff that we just rattle off in the show are cited there. Right. And uh, last but not least, always check the calendar. Next week could be a crazy one. So if you're a live fan, check the calendar dot jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And then show up live at jblive.tv for the live unfiltered experience. I don't know if we're going to have an editor next week. What? Is Wait. someone going back east? Yeah, yeah. 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 So you never know. You never you know. know what's so going to happen keep an eye on that calendar page. And... Uh, We'll, we'll probably, see. Be, here. We'll probably okay. be here Okay, fair uh, enough Okay everybody, thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of your Unfiltered program And you know what? We'll see you right back here Next, next week! week. doesn't even require an executive action. It's brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter. It's the Unfilter Overtime! And it starts right now. This segment is made possible by our patrons, and i like to thank the new patrons who signed up. So let me get the list out. It's a big one. All right. Thank you to... Jorn. One one patron. Or Yorn, perhaps. Something tells me Jorn might not even be from the U.S. How about that? All right, here we go! Ha <laughs> Okay! Well, Jorn, I did a lot of work for you this week. This segment is dedicated to you and all of the patrons at patreon.com slash unfilter. If you'd like to keep this show going, consider supporting us. It keeps us motivated, makes us want to show up for each week and actually Work our butts off all week long for this. And we always appreciate those of you who remain supporters. Patreon.com slash unfiltered. Now, we start off the overtime with what is maybe my new favorite segment. And I can't believe I have a whole new batch of work for it. I just... It's amazing. Oh, Nancy! That's what it's called, Oh, Nancy. We kicked it off last week, and it... This week picks up with Nancy Pelosi calling for an FBI investigation to find out what the Russians have on Trump. Find out. Nancy wants to know.
7: I want to play something Elizabeth Warren said yesterday in a speech in Baltimore.
22: Take a listen.
9: America elected Donald Trump. And yeah, the Russians helped. And yeah, the FBI director helped. And yeah... He lost the popular vote by three million votes. But we cannot let ourselves off the hook so easily. Not as progressives, not as Democrats. The excuses end now.
7: How do you respond to her? Because you were just making a case that that the Obama administration and the Democrats were, were in charge were being responsive. Elizabeth Warren is saying, no, the Democrats weren't. Well, I think she
18: went on further to say that it wasn't about what we have done. It's how we did not message it. And that is. No, something- but she
7: said no. She actually said the opposite. It's not about a new set of talking points. No, it's actually about policies that aren't working for those folks. In
18: well, the- it, we, but they have what. Let's see the record. The record is that. What did we do? We bailed out the auto industry, saving. So many jobs, millions. When you take the indirect. Increase in jobs in that area. The Republicans at the time said this would be interfering with the free market system if we bailed out the auto industry. They were on their heels. They're now on top of the world. But let me just go back to part, the first part of, oh, uh, okay. of the, uh, the senator's statement. Uh-huh. I want to know what the Russians have on Donald Trump. I think we have to have that investigation by the FBI into his financial. Personal and political connections oh, to Russia, okay. and we Bring want it to to the tax see his Bring tax it. Yeah, there returns. They are, there so they we are. can have truth right. in the relationship between Putin, whom he admires. Uh, but and I want to go Trump. back to the issue.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. Let's go back to the issues, Chuck Todd says, and uh, get off those talking points. But she did her She barely got it out, but she did it. She did it. Um, she also had things to say about Steve Bannon.
18: What's making America less safe is to have a white supremacist named to the National Security Council as a permanent member while the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the director of national intelligence are told uh, don't call us we'll call you <laughs> you're no longer permanent members I like that framing. we'll call you when we need whatever judgment they make uh-huh. Combat, uh-huh. when they want them to come back right this is it's a stunning thing mm. that a white supremacist band would be a permanent member of National Security Council and dismissing the chairman of Joint Chiefs i the director of national security. That's her jewelry you hear, by the way. Uh, She's national intelligence. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you get that wrong, Nancy? Yeah, I'll back up. National security. Uh, She's national intelligence. She caught it. She a permanent member. She
0: caught that one. Good for you, Nancy. Good job on that one. All right. Uh, so, of course, earlier today we played my favorite Nancy moment, but I just, I don't know, maybe I just need to roll around in it first.
18: Uh, this, while it's only a couple of weeks since the inauguration. There's complete evidence. There's practice. We've seen nothing that we can work. But I can work with President Bush on, and I'm disappointed because I thought that there might be some interest.
0: (laughs) I love the people behind her. What did she? Did she just say Bush? Did she just say Bush? Uh, Did she? Crap! Did she just say Bush? (laughs) All right. Well, there you go. We'll open it up with a little Nancy Pelosi. There's more. There's more Nancy Pelosi if you want it. Uh, But before we go any further, uh, I thought maybe we'd play a little Sanders.
4: Senator, there's a big fight going on right now, as you know, about who will lead the Democratic National Committee. It's starting to shape up as something, a a bit of a proxy battle between the Sanders wing and the Obama-Biden wing of the Democratic Party. When former Labor Secretary Tom Perez picked up the endorsement of former Vice President Biden, you said Joe Biden is a friend of mine. But you went on to say that the question is simple. Do we stay with a failed status quo approach? Or do we go forward with a fundamental restructuring of the Democratic Party? Is that what you think of Vice President Biden, that he represents a failed status quo approach?
21: Look, I like Joe and I certainly have enormous respect for President Obama. But the facts are that despite the that despite the reality that we have an extreme right wing Republican
4: Party, which is way out of touch with the American people on every issue. They now control the White House, the Senate, the House, and two-thirds of the governor's chairs. If we continue along the same way, I think you're going to get the same results. So what I believe oh. is we have got to open up the door of the Democratic Party. you got to bring in working people. you got to bring in young people. we got to raise money by small
0: donor donations rather than being dependent on wealthier people. So Sanders is not going away, and neither obviously is Elizabeth Warren. So the media is really trying to wrap their heads around how to cover Trump and Reuters has new rules, new rules on how to cover Trump properly.
8: Now the rift between Donald Trump and the media is growing
4: deeper, with news outlets even devising new rules for how to cover the president. Miguel
14: Francis Santiago takes a look.
17: All right. How long does it take for a global superpower to plunge down among the ranks of countries like Zimbabwe or Yemen? Apparently about 12 days, according to Reuters editor-in-chief Steve Adler. The agency's official guide on how to report all things Trump Uh perhaps was supposed to be an inspiring piece, but instead it painted a pretty grim picture for America's next four years. At least it brags about the fact that Reuters has all skills necessary to counter the threat of Trump's America, all because it dealt with legal prosecution, visa restrictions and even physical threats. in you know, such desperate places like Zimbabwe, Iraq, Yemen and, of course, Russia. So what are those skills Reuters asks journalists to utilize? Well, stay out of trouble. Stay calm and gather <laughs> all your emergency resources. But what led Mr. Adler to such frustration? Fred. Well, Trump is not a big fan of mainstream media.
12: Don't be re- give no, I'm not going to give you a question. I'm you, not going to give you a can question. You stay, can you stay calm? Catac- you are fake news.
17: <laughs> now, see, Reuters has a problem with this. After all, the guide also points out that Trump called the MSM among the most dishonest human beings on Earth, mainly because of this. Liberal
9: media so upset,
7: visibly upset about Donald Trump's victory. The world's shining light of democracy has gone dark.
16: You're not having a terrible, terrible dream. Is there
11: going to be remnants of a neo-fascist movement that he leads in this country after this
17: election? So does Trump perhaps have a point here? You be the judge while Reuters talks about cultivating fair and balanced reporting in Trump's America, which this guide sidelined Next is Zimbabwe. I'm Miguel Francis Santiago, R.T. In Yemen, in Yemen.
0: Now, uh, there was a bit of an S storm. We've talked about it before. But now, one of the things I like to do in the overtime is deep dive a little bit into a particular topic that just would have derailed the main flow of the uh, show. And so now that's what we're going to do with uh, Trump. Love it on Putin this week. Do you respect Putin?
12: I do respect him. Do you? Why? I, well, I respect a lot of people, <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm going to get along
0: with him. <laughs> this is such a great. We are. Okay, can we just stop right there? We are already. That's already peak Trump, right there. That was peak Trump. I love that. I respect a lot of people. Doesn't mean I'm going to get along with him.
12: <laughs> do you respect Putin? I do respect him. Do you? Why? I, well, I respect a lot of people, but that doesn't mean I'm going to get along with him. <laughs> a lot of He's people. He's a leader of his country. Oh, well, okay. I say it's better to get along with Russia than not. Okay. And if Russia helps us in the fight against ISIS, which is a major fight and Islamic terrorism all over the world. Right. Major fight, that's a good thing.
0: You know, I will give Trump credit for this. You know, uh, he doesn't cave under the man, it just so is so is so sure of his opinion. You have an entire government apparatus and media arm consistently telling you how dangerous Russia is, and you still have the nuts, or the ovaries, I'm guessing it's nuts in his case, to stay with your opinion, and over and over again, in the face of people questioning you, say the same things that consistently get you under fire, in some ways... It's almost respectable,
12: but it could also be freaky and scary depending on how it manifests itself. Major fight and Islamic terrorism all over the world. Right. Major fight. That's a right. good thing. Will I get along with them? I have no idea. It's, very it's a possible, killer, I though. Won't. Putin's a killer.
0: So the thing that I love about this statement right here is, uh, well, what do you call Obama directing drone strikes with baseball cards? What's that? What do you call the Clinton kill list? What's that? And let's talk about McCain for a moment, one of the biggest warmongers in the history of the country. What is that? So this moral righteousness that we have about Putin being a killer when Obama is bombing 16-year-old Boar 17, I can't remember how old he was, i son, via a baseball card. That classifies him as a killer, doesn't
12: it? It's, it's such a loaded question. Against ISIS, which is a major fight, and Islamic terrorism all over the world. Right, major fight. That's a good thing. Will I get along with them? I have no idea. He's it's it's a killer, I though. Won't. Putin's a killer. A lot of killers. We got a lot of killers. Why well, you think our country's so innocent?
0: <laughs> so that <laughs> you know, and these t- <laughs> man, God, that gets me. And these two, they have kind of a similar talking style—a tough guy talking style. Papa Bear and uh, Trump. And so Trump immediately recognizes when he's landed a convincing argument with O'Reilly. And so what Trump does is he immediately restates the same thing, the powerful boom, the punctuating statement. He drops it again because O'Reilly, in a moment of processing what Trump just said, and sort of, uh, you know, probably not even probably even just through micro expressions expressing, well, you kind of have a point there without having to say that, Trump automatically recognizes that and restates the statement again as if he's doubling down on it because once he recognizes that O'Reilly seems to agree – it's now a safe space to really double down on it. So at first, it would be kind of a passing statement. But when he sees he's just gotten traction, he says it again immediately. This is a fascinating speech pattern of Donald Trump. I've been watching his speech patterns, obviously, for a while. And I think this is a particularly interesting one that he does. And he tends to do it once he's landed a successful argument.
12: A lot of killers. we got a lot of killers. Why, well, you think our country's so innocent? Hmm. Even Republicans are... Oh,
0: they cut it off. They cut it off. I wonder if I could, you know, I feel like I should go find that interview for you. Uh, let me uh, let me pull up the whole interview that isn't cut off, because I, I really think watching that speech pattern. I,
12: well, I said, okay, we're all together. That's how you're going to start with them. Just started. This is why so you Chris think cuts. are on a collision. So this is why I edit for you they're guys. Poisoning the youth of. Poisoning the youth. But they're going to do what's right. The voters agree. A million illegal citizens and they're Obamacare doesn't. I can't believe I'm here. I cannot believe that I am the president of the United States. Yeah. But they're also getting a lot of popularity out of it. Oh, you know, he makes, he takes a lot of shots in this interview when I'm jumping around. Some of your people things. didn't really know what the order was. Well, that's not what General Kelly said. General Kelly, who's now Secretary Kelly, he.
0: It was actually, you know, you know what? Boy, jumping around like that, you really realize O'Reilly covered a lot of ground in nine minutes. I'll give him that. Uh, I'll find it and eventually I'll play it for you. Or maybe what I'll do is a more comprehensive analysis instead of just sort of off the cuff. Maybe we'll take a, a, a look at some future clips and uh, and sort of give you a better analysis of the speech pattern because it's really interesting. Because I think it helps convince people that uh, don't have a lot of information about low information targets. I help. I think that speech pattern that sort of uh, alpha male confident restating it once you gain traction thing i think it's part of programming people to believe what he says and so i think it's i think it's kind of important let's continue on what wasn't important and that's the media's total overreaction of uh, trump kind of comparing the u.s to or putin to the u.s A
21: remarkable equivalency to be sure to discuss more of it chief white house correspondent major garrett is at the white house
0: in other words to keep discussing it because we've discussed it on our cbs morning news we've discussed it on our cbs evening news and now we're discussing it on cbsn
21: and uh, joins us this morning and major we do appreciate it. i want to begin with those remarks that the president seemed to make in defense of Vladimir Putin and uh, the resulting moral equivalency that seemed to be drawn between the United States and Russia. As you saw, uh, Mitch McConnell there was just one of several Republican lawmakers who have since denounced those comments um, this seems to be another fight that the president is picking here uh, what's the what's the political fallout of nothing else? so
0: apparently there's political fallout and secondly apparently i guess the president is picking this one to me it seems like the media sort of sat back and waited for something out of this interview and jumped on it
22: for a rift between him and gop leadership well, it just deepens the unease that Republicans have about what this president thinks and what he might do in terms of Russia policy. Now, last week, there were some encouraging signs for those Republicans still uncertain where this White House would land in its relationship with Russia. When the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, Nikki Haley, challenged the Russians, condemned what she said was their intentional increase on in the fighting in Ukraine and said, you've got to get out of there and stop your meddling in Ukrainian affairs. Republicans said, hey, okay, maybe this administration is taking the Russian threat in Ukraine seriously. But when the president of the United States not only draws this odd and historically warped moral equivalency between the United States and Russia under Vladimir Putin, but in the same breath almost is dismissive about the underlying accusations of murder, jailings and deeply troubling mistreatment of human rights activists, dissidents, journalists in Russia, that also creates concerns among Republicans. And when you see someone like the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who has consistently, Josh, Tried to stay away from any direct clashes with President Trump, particularly about his occasionally outrageous statements. Mitch McConnell will almost always say, "Well, that's something he said. I'm not going to really get involved in that." I- what, so what's happening here? Because I'm
0: so sick listening to this guy talk. I'm going to finish it for him because he's just going on and on. Boy, you know, Major Garrett really hates Trump and everything, and, and I can understand it. You know, they they are hard on CBS and uh, CNN and others, but uh, got just talk about. It. Anyways. They are constantly trying to pin other Republicans against Trump. So they keep going to Mitch McConnell. They're trying to get Mitch McConnell, and, he, and they, Mitch McConnell won't give. But they're trying to get Republicans to come out against Trump, and they're running with it. And they're trying to get this Putin one as, uh, as like a home run.
4: Turning now to our world lead, President Trump continues to defend Russian President Vladimir Putin. Continues to defend. and journalistic critics have a curious habit of turning up dead to say nothing of the blood on Putin's hands, from various incursions into Ukraine and Syria. This time, Mr. Trump not only expressed respect for his Russian counterpart, but seemed to equate United States actions with those of the authoritarian regime. Oh. This is drawing fire and prompting all sorts of skeptical reactions. Former CIA acting director Mike Morrell told CBS, quote, I think President Trump has some special affection for Putin that is a result of something that we don't fully understand oh! let's bring in cnn chief national security correspondent jim Chudo and jim president trump's response seeming to equate the u.s and putin to be honest it's the kind of statement that one usually hears on a propaganda outlet uh like
11: rt something owned by the russian <laughs> government listen it is a time-worn
0: tactic of then soviet and now russian propaganda okay here we go so <clears throat> this is maybe why that you guys get called fake news so, uh, listen to this. This is this is a super important uh, analysis that we're about to get here from Jim. This is a time-proven Soviet propaganda technique. Get ready for it. Usually, hears on a propaganda outlet.
11: Uh, like RT, something owned by the Russian government. Listen, it is a time-worn tactic of then-Soviet and now-Russian propagandists. It even Uh has a name. It's called whataboutism. You know, when you criticize a government, and and same with China, Russia the same, about something, say, well, what about a mistake that your country has made in the past? Time-worn, you expect it from Moscow, you don't expect it so much from an American president here. (laughs)
0: Okay, hold on. I want to make sure I understand what it is. So it's whataboutism. Listen, it is a Listen.
11: time-worn tactic okay. of then-Soviet and now-Russian propagandists. It uh-huh. even has a name. It's called whataboutism. Okay. You know, what when you criticize a government, and, and <clears> the <throat> same with China, Russia the same, about something, say, well, what about a mistake that your country has made in the past?
0: That that Whataboutism sounds like you're just trying to get caught. You're trying to get out of a situation where you got caught with a double standard or— being hypercritical about something, you know what I like. So it sounds like when we bomb a, when we bomb uh, the Doctors Without Borders, and uh, then when later on when Russia bombs a hospital, and we make this huge deal about it about how it's an international crime, it's a war crime, the UN needs to get involved, and then RT during the State Department asked, "Hey, but, but what about the time you guys bombed Doctors Without Borders?" Well, no, 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 don't ask us about, this isn't about us. This is about what you've done. Don't do whataboutism. It's about what you've done here. Essentially, it's deflection. It sounds like we deflect, it sounds like when people call us out for the things that we've done, we deflect and say, well, that's whataboutism.
11: It's what it sounds like
0: to me. And
11: it even has a name. It's called whataboutism. You know, when you criticize a government and and same with China, Russia, the same. This is when we
0: get called out for hypocrisy. We we've just labeled it. Well, whataboutism? This is incredible. And he's just sitting here repeating it. Is it, it, this either? The, I, I just can't even I don't know if I should call this propaganda. I don't know if I call this killing airtime. I don't know what this guy is doing, but he's essentially legitimizing deflection when the United States gets criticized and gets called out for having a double standard, (laughs) it's just incredible. Listen,
11: it is a time-worn tactic of then-Soviet and now-Russian propagandists. It even has a name. It's called whataboutism. (laughs) When you criticize a government, and same with China, Russia the same, about something, say, well, what about a mistake that your country has made in the past – Time-worn. You expect it from Moscow. You don't expect it so much from an American wow. president here. And once again, the American president, Donald Trump, at odds with his own party
0: on these comments. Listen to Senator Ben Sass. You see how they're trying to get other Republicans because they don't want to make it them. It they, they, they makes it more newsworthy if it's the other Republicans. Uh, let's talk about uh, – let's, let's shift gears from that drama, though, because I could – geez, there's stuff in here. How much more do I have? Uh, yeah, there's a lot more. You can check it out in the Supporters Sync if you want. But let's talk about Dodd-Frank, because it looks like that may be getting repealed soon.
6: Our next guest worked with Congress to craft the Dodd-Frank law and then helped write over 60 regulations to implement the law. U.S. Trading, former U.S. Trading Commissioner Bart Chilton joins us tonight. Bart, nice to have you with us. When you hear that Dodd-Frank is going to be repealed Tell folks out there who don't quite grab all the that's to be known about the financial sector what this
2: would do. Uh, Hey Ed, well look, it's it's pretty simple. The financial collapse, the the whole Great Recession, was because there was no regulation of these things called over-the-counter swaps, and these are bets upon bets upon bets, derivatives that were totally unregulated, zero zip nada. And Dodd-Frank did a bunch of things, but the key thing that it did that would be a monumental mistake if they overturned it or repealed it like President Trump wants to is doing away with that. So we would again be in a circumstance where we had to potentially bail out the biggest of the big uh, global planetary investment banks. Well, that
0: could go just fine. Let's go ahead and get rid of that Dodd-Frank, Donald. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's go ahead and do that.
6: How will President Trump respond to this latest setback? Well, here's a tweet just
0: in this morning. That latest setback being the uh, federal judge who uh, blocked the travel ban nationwide.
6: Quote, the opinion of this so-called judge. Hey, can I stop right there? Hold on. Just freeze the image. So-called judge? It's a federal judge appointed by
0: President George W. Bush. Now, he's not wrong. Uh, that is an accurate statement. But what you are about to witness is how how CNN and many other, the news business, in fact, I would say most, still failed to understand Donald Trump and why he was elected. And this is a travesty because what ends up happening is they end up getting led around by the nose, covering any pet subject that Donald Trump holds their hand and walks them into. Instead of discussing the real thing, topics like perhaps the repeal of dodd frank and their total failure to fully understand donald trump and his base prevents them from being taken as serious news it's what makes them seem illegitimate it's what makes them seem to have a bias to these people is these these hosts or whatever you want to call them anchors i don't know if that's really fair I, i feel like that's too generous these CNN talent, they don't understand the people that voted for Trump, and they just can't see it. They, they, they see the world through a different set of lenses, and it comes across, if you listen to it, in this clip. Can I stop right there? Hold on. Just
6: freeze the image. So-called judge? It's a federal judge appointed by President George W. Bush. I try and show the office of the president respect in the way that he ought to be showing respect for a member of the federal judiciary with a lifetime appointment. That's not right.
0: So not necessarily wrong in his opinion, but totally failing to understand where Trump comes from and where Trump's base comes from. This woman does a slightly better job.
6: Hey, Selena, I'm sorry to drag you into this, but... Come on, you're the commander-in-chief. You can't be disappointed with the outcome of a federal case and say, well, the so-called judge, he did that with Judge Curiel in the Trump University case, and I, I thought it was appalling.
15: But are you really surprised? I mean, this is the way that he communicates. Um, you know, we every day, every minute, every hour, we're you know uh, we're breathlessly su- uh, reporting on how surprised we are by his behavior. And while it is completely different uh, from President Obama, President Bush, President Clinton, and so on,
0: this guy's eyes are practically bugging out of his head while she talks, by the way. You notice that?
15: This is exactly what people voted for. Whether you like it or not, the people that showed up to vote in the states that count—this is—they wanted this disruption. They wanted this guy that talks the way he does. Now that might not sit well with a lot of people, but this is who he is, and and it's not going to change. <laughs>
0: They just can't wrap their head around it. NPR, I feel like, is the worst too. It makes it hard to listen to NPR because it, when you hear that much bias in some of their reporting, it's it's kind of a bummer because it's it's built into my echo. I got a decent app; wouldn't mind it. I got the local station here; it's not so bad. But they just they they don't they don't see the world through the same lens as the other people that voted for Trump do. You know, uh, Vivid uh, Vid, Vida James asked about the pedophile crackdowns that have been happening this last week and a half, and uh, about Wiener getting charged with child porn. I don't have any good. I have some links in the show notes, but I don't have any great. I don't have any great coverage on it, <clears throat> and I don't have any clips either. So if you see any, unfiltered.reddit.com, maybe we'll get to it. All right. L- while we uh, while we didn't get a chance to talk about Berkeley in the main show.
14: I do have uh, some clips on it for the overtime. Meanwhile, an American congresswoman has dubbed Wednesday's protests at the University of Berkeley, which turned violent, quote, a beautiful sight.
4: They broke out shortly before an editor of the news website Breitbart was due to give a speech against so-called sanctuary campuses, which offer protection to undocumented
9: students. We have seen demonstrations, and I think we've already talked about that, around the country. Um, Young people at Berkeley and uh, against this unconstitutional order. And so as we encourage our young people to get involved, I thought it was a beautiful sight.
19: Berkeley got really nuts.
20: Now, the riots against a planned event at the campus have raised concerns in the media over free speech. Some
4: say the protests are somewhat ironic, given that the university considers itself a beacon of the
0: free speech <laughs> movement.
24: Uh, yeah. Berkeley University in California. <laughs>
0: All right, well, that's good enough for that clip. Although that's pretty great. I am almost tempted to, to let them play out the whole thing because you know it's going to be great. But uh, we'll move on. We have more important things to talk about in the overtime, like Iran. National Security Advisor General Michael Flynn. In his
15: surprise a appearance up. at the White House briefing, National Security Advisor Mike Flynn offered a blunt warning to Iran after Sunday's missile test and an attack by Iran-backed militants Akbar.
20: on a Saudi Navy vessel. Iran is now feeling emboldened. As of today, we are officially putting Iran on notice.
21: The nomination is confirmed.
15: An early foreign policy test for Rex Tillerson, confirmed tonight by the Senate as Secretary of State. But Tillerson is taking over a State Department in revolt. A scathing protest by more than 900 career diplomats and civil servants over President Trump's new policy banning visas for citizens from seven majority Muslim countries. In an internal memo obtained by CNN, the diplomats warned Trump's executive order, quote, will not achieve its aim of making our country safer. And is likely to alienate allies in our counterterrorism efforts and increase anti American sentiment and foster violent extremism.
17: The cable is, at least in my memory, uh, unprecedented. Uh, and it, um, I think, goes to the deep concern and the broad concern that's felt in the State Department over the actions taken by the administration.
15: The memo came through the State Department's dissent channel, which awards employees for voicing foreign policy concerns without retribution. But from the no White House, a Americans blunt
1: warning. I think that they should either get with the program or they can go.
15: One longtime career officer pushed out by the new administration used his farewell address to urge colleagues to stay and uphold their oath to defend America from all enemies, foreign and domestic.
7: The policy without professionals is, by definition, an amateur policy. You have to help make the choices that bring this country forward.
15: In addition to a restless diplomatic corps, Tillerson must also confront allies concerned the new administration is increasing the ISIS threat with its latest moves. ISIL and Daesh
9: will use any opportunity they can to make difficulties to create the environment that they want, to radicalize people, to bring them over to their side. So it is a propaganda
15: opportunity for them, potentially. In Canada, one lawmaker compared Trump's policies to fascism.
4: We will call for immediate action and for the Canadian government to finally start standing up to the fascist Donald Trump.
0: I really believe this next segment from Tucker Carlson is going to work out. Let's give this a go, because this is something I like to do, and it's something you could all do, too. If you are ever watching the news, which I don't recommend you do, just wait for this show. But if you decide to watch it on your own and you wonder if there's perhaps a bias in the person on the television that's reporting or perhaps in the news article that you're reading, one of the things you can do to kind of get a sense for it sometimes, in fact, frequently is... If the journalist is large and you know, has, a, has a big enough publication base, they're almost always on Twitter. So if they're on television or they're in mainstream news, they're almost always on, on Twitter. And uh, it is actually kind of useful to go look at their Twitter feed and see what they tweet about. And you get a sense of maybe how they personally align on some issues. Tucker Carlson has caught on to this idea. And uh, he tries to make a segment out of it. I guess I, I, I should have thought of this, This because I do this all the time. I, I could have made a segment out of this. In fact, I probably should have made a segment out of this. But I guess now Tucker's done it for us. Well, it's
7: time for What They Really Think. It's a new segment where we take a look at the semi-private words of our country's premier journalists and see how those words align with their goal of being neutral purveyors of fact. Our first star is Terry Moran. He's chief foreign correspondent for ABC News, whose Twitter feed resembles a DNC press release with added moral outrage... Don't believe us? Here are some examples. Quote, upset Trump didn't destroy ISIS within days of taking office? Moran tweeted this, I thought Trump already had a secret plan to destroy ISIS. What happened to it? After the president's immigration order, Moran wrote, for 70 years and more, American science has triumphed because the USA got the best minds in the world. Now that's at risk. Thanks, Trump. He also said, quote, Trump's NSC chief son declares exactly what this is, a Muslim ban, whatever weasel words his father and Trump's minions come up with. In another tweet, he simply labeled Trump President Snowflake. That's right. Moran was in near religious ecstasy over the Women's March two weeks ago, tweeting this, Has there ever been a day when so many people in so many places marched in solidarity for a cause? VE Day? This is historic. Moran felt a tingle down his leg when the New York Times announced it had hit 3 million subscribers. He tweeted this, Failing? Not. In response to Trump's comments downplaying the violence of Vladimir Putin's government in Russia, just today, Moran moaned, somewhere Ronald Reagan weeps. And that's what he really thinks, no matter what he tells you on TV. I
0: thought that was kind of an interesting idea, and probably, like I said, something I, I could have thought of. But I did not think of it. Now, if you noticed a lack of Charlie in today's episode, it's not because I'm cutting out the rose.
20: At the beginning of the broadcast, we mentioned that Charlie is off, and we want to share with you a letter from Charlie. Yes, we do. He writes this, almost 15 years ago, skilled surgeons replaced my aorta valve with a new replacement valve.
9: It has served me well, enabling me to live the vigorous, full, complete life that you are all so familiar with. No one loves life more than I do. To continue to live this amazing life so full of challenges and friends, including so many of you in the audience, I have chosen to replace the valve with a new one. The timing is my choice. So tomorrow I will undergo surgery, which will keep me at the hospital for a few days
20: and then resting for a couple of weeks. I look forward to seeing you in March. In the meantime, you are in great hands with my remarkable colleagues, Nora and Gail, backed by the best morning team anywhere. I can't wait to be back completely rested with my heart recharged, my passion for the work ahead purposeful, and my joy at life's pleasures high. Until then, stay close. We can do that. That's right. Well, we're going to miss our wingman. Yes, Yes. we will. We're going to miss our, but um, I talked to him last night, and he is optimistic and excited about this tune-up. I talked to me he's a great attitude, great mood, he's ready to go, <laughs> yeah,
11: on. He's got the best spirit going.
20: Cheering
0: you on, Charlie Rose. Cheering I knew on. he was a robot. I knew it. Oh, Charlie Rose is getting a tune-up. All right, so uh, let's do a little bit of a high note. This clip, it's, it's very fascinating, but it was a little too slow-paced to put in the main show, so the overtime is a perfect place to do it. This is about a San Diego incubator, which is helping fund different business startups around cannabis that really are getting to a phase where they need to go bigger. But once they get that big, there's nobody with really big pockets that wants to risk the cannabis business yet. So this incubator is stepping in to sort of fill that gap.
13: The San Diego-based Business Accelerator is celebrating its first graduates. Eight companies focused on the cannabis industry completed Canopy's 16-week business training.
9: We create biological soil additives that we believe can increase the... uh, Oil production and cannabis by 100 to 200 percent.
13: Paula Young Libby is the CEO of MycoCan. The technology that she's working with has already been proven in other farming applications. Libby is ready to help apply those lessons to the nascent legal pot industry.
9: If you can, you know, double your production or triple your production without adding a single plant, without adding a single light, that's going to help the, you know, the infrastructure. It's going to help the industry a lot.
13: Big agricultural companies won't touch cannabis-related businesses. In fact, Libby is bringing the biotechnology idea from a sister company in Georgia that already has a slice of the legal agricultural market. That firm is interested in the cannabis market, but wanted legal distance from mycocan because the risks are too large. Canopy San Diego steps in where established firms won't go.
19: Um, Companies need the technology that we're developing.
13: Jack Scatizzi says the demand makes it easier to balance the risk and reward.
19: While it's still stigmatized, debt represents a risk for entrepreneurs. So we're backing the people that are interested in taking that risk and the ones that take the larger risk are going to have the higher reward.
13: Skatizzi says the medical marijuana industry in California is already worth $7 billion. He says the addition of recreational marijuana could double the market relatively quickly. Skatizzi says accepting the risk before all the legal questions are resolved means their firms are in a position to reap the rewards.
19: We would like to have as many of our companies in the market as possible um, when adult recuse hits. And our goal rec with our use. companies is, especially with a Southern California focus, to really get as much market penetration in Southern adult California as use. possible, which will make them extremely um, attractive uh, acquisition candidates from larger companies.
13: Canopy San Diego invests in startups that focus on marijuana-related products, but they won't work with firms that handle plants directly. That passes their risk threshold. The first companies to graduate the incubator are pretty diverse. Some offer software solutions for medical marijuana management. There's a system to handle inventory at cannabis-focused businesses. And Whitney Beatty's product is a luxurious carrying case.
23: If you keep your wine in a wine cooler and your liquor in a bar and your cigars in a humidor, why on earth are you keeping your high-quality cannabis in a shoebox?
13: Beatty is the founder of apothecary brands. Her high-end storage box is aimed at what could be a huge home market. Pd says the incubator helped focus her business strategy.
23: The industry is really new. It's kind of like the wild, wild west there. And so we need to have um, a group that has the ability to kind of get us in front of the people that we need to be in front of.
13: Canopy San Diego trains and focuses companies in exchange for a financial share of the startups. The investors hope the payoff comes when the cannabis market matures, and their graduates
0: become acquisition targets. Eric Anderson, KPBS News. Acquisition targets. It is it is a fascinating news story. Um, Speaking of news stories that are maybe not so fascinating, the news still loves Obama. I guess that's not a surprise.
25: Flew away in a chopper. Next thing you know, he's flying a kite surfing actually in the Virgin Islands with a smile so big one poster commented ah he looks younger already how was your weekend was the caption comparing Obama's face to President Trump's tweeted another wait he's having fun is he allowed to have fun why isn't he saving us he can't even save himself on the golf course Oh, ho, ho, ho. where even an ex-president gets teased for missing putts. Oh, ho, 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 ho. In the Virgin <laughs> Islands, Obama kicked back with his hat backwards in photos obtained by the Daily Mail. Obama got his hat to the back like it's 1990 and Trump isn't president. Get your ass back here. With respect, sir. Ugh. But Obama's kept falling in the ocean as he and his host, Richard Branson, learned new water sports. Branson was foil boarding while Obama kite surfed. And when the two competed to see who could stay up longer, the former president won. If you're missing Obama and looking for the next best thing to a hug, here it is, dreamed up by an inventor in New Hampshire.
11: It's 28 inches fingertip to fingertip and will literally hug you. Oh
0: my, oh my God. All right, moving on. Moving on before I throw up a little bit. This is... Boy, after all that, this is hard, guys. I don't want it to be the end of the show. I don't I don't know how I'm going.
18: I mean, what can I say? Again, I just want to thank all of you for, for watching me on so many mornings, through so many things. And um, I don't think I could go on, but thank you so much. And um, I will miss you. help glue it and you know fuck the EU